Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Okay, Maddie, it's finally episode 100, and we need something interactive. We have to actually go to a real horror in real life place and actually explore it. Hmm, sounds kind of scary. Should we add a layer of gay? Yeah, you're right. Where can we be gay and scary? Hmm, New Orleans? Uh, the South in the summer? Uh, we are Midwest people. Do you really want to either burn or melt to death? Mm, true, but where can we go where it's gay, scary, and has good food like New Orleans? Hmm, Puerto Vallarta? Uh, gay, check. Poverty, check. Food, check. But we just did a Mexico episode not too long ago. Listen to episode 91, Global Horror, Mexico is Terrifying. You're right. Where can we go where it has a spooky haunted past, has good food, and has enough gay to make it perfect for our 100th episode? Mm, I've got it. Think persecution, ancient battles, haunted grounds, murders, fresh seafood, and the first state to pass gay marriage. Where is this magical yet problematic paradise? We are going to New England. Strap in and strap on. It's episode 100. New England is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters. The Gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. Let me share this viral tweet from one of <laughs> our awesome former Chronicle producers, Ellen Fleming. So here's the backstory. She is now a TV reporter for a Springfield station, Springfield, Massachusetts. And while you can take the girl out of Boston, you can take Boston out of the girl. Take a look. Parts of this bill are similar to the executive orders that have already been put in place in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. (laughs) We love you, Ellen. You had it right the first time, Ellen. Welcome to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie. And my name is Andrew. And this, friends, if you're joining us for the first time, is the podcast that's all about horror. Horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ plus perspective. And friends, we are very glad to join you today. Live. Live. New England. From New England. Specifically, we are in Providence, Rhode Island. Filming, the, filming this, <laughs> recording this right now. I'm sure somebody's filming. That's it's like the Truman Show. Uh, but we are are filming this, to, uh, recording this together live in Providence, and um, we've had a really great trip for what is our hundredth episode. Yes, if you're joining us for the first time, you're joining on a very special episode. Mm-hmm. We've traveled all across uh, the con- across the world across and the across world. the United States to come together to bring you some spooky tales from spooky New England. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really wonderful. Yeah. Um 
you know, we've uh, we 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 both flew into Boston, uh huh, um, and we went um, immediately to Salem, yep. where we were for a, well, I was there for a few days because uh, I, I got there one one night one night prior. Uh, we then went on to Providence, mm-hmm. um, and then we are going to Boston um, tomorrow to finish everything up. Yeah, and along the way, we've we've just um, we've had we've had a, a just a, the sort of road trip that you can only have in America. I yeah. feel like, you uh, know, especially like, only in the Northeast because w- everything's so close, without a doubt, right? And you, you know, you meet lovely people, you have great conversations, you go to these really cool and historic places, and you get to see the stuff that for people like us you know, really gets us going. Yeah. Stuff we've always wanted to see. Things like what? Yeah. So, um, well, you know, in Salem, there's a smattering of things that we'll talk about that, that we got to see and learn. And then, uh, we got to go to fall river where we got to go to Lizzie Borden's house and learn all about that. Um, we got to go to, um, Newport to go see the Vanderbilt mansion, which is not necessarily haunted, but who knows? I mean, that thing (laughs) is big enough to be haunted. You know what I mean? Um, and then, uh, just today we got to go to, to uh, the 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 tr- one and only true conjuring house, uh, which if you log on to our Instagram or Twitter, you can kind of see an outside picture of much much different than what the Big Hollywood time. movie showed. So, just overall, just some life affirming <laughs> trips. Truly, that, like I don't know, it's just one of those things. Like you talk about doing these things all the time, but you'd never think that you're actually going to be able to like pull it off right. you know well and you know, we, we had been talking about doing this trip since probably back around episode 80 yeah or something yeah. you know just you know sort of thinking ahead it's um it's it's a it's a milestone for a podcast for any podcast but especially a podcast like ours mm-hmm. to to reach i mean look you know, we we I, I think that some I, I hope it's not this way but I'm sure there are some people out there who are like, God, you guys celebrate a lot. <laughs> and and you know what? Look, th- the reality is, yeah, we do. Because there's, there's a lot to celebrate. Every day is a blessing, okay? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, listen, we are, I, I always call us the little podcast that could. Yeah. Because we just, we 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 dreamt this, like, like, like every other podcast, we dreamt this up out of nowhere, had no idea how it would go. When we got a sense of the community that it was building, we just kept going with it. And yeah. that, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, here we are still doing it now. So, yeah, that's, that's a lot to celebrate. Well, in 100 episodes, I mean, how many podcasts really get to those milestones? You know, they either they, people burn out or they they feel like they're they're. Their creative yeah. content isn't like what they wanted, so they quit. You know, there's, there's, I mean, for I think there's like a million podcasts that start every day. Like, yeah. only ten percent of them really like keep going. So. And I mean, look, you know, the the ones that burn out, I, I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, totally. You know, like, look, we 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 really love doing this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we literally wouldn't be doing this road trip right now. Yeah, five years later. Um, but we we love doing it, but it doesn't mean that it's like, you know, you just meet up one day and, yeah. and, and start squawking on a microphone. It's not not work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It, it is work, but it's work that we love because, you know, dear listeners, we love all of you. <laughs> so um, thanks for being with us for this hundredth episode. And we're going to dig into it right now. So, um, Andrew, you you've got a good list of all the stuff that, that we did and went through. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's start with Salem. Okay. So, uh, Salem, obviously a lot around the witch trials, surprisingly. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know how you felt, but, um, on first, uh, entering Salem, I kind of had this like weird feeling about like, man, this town did some really shitty things to some, some probably good people. And now they get to profit off of it. And I got like yeah. a, I got like an, almost like an icky feeling upon entering Salem because there's just like, there's, there's, 
witches literally everywhere. Like everything, even their cops have witches yeah. on, on the side of them. But then as we started going through some of the uh, different uh, museums and some of the different tours, I started to understand that like, oh no, they just want to share these stories to make sure that nothing like this ha- ever happens again. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the stories are coming at it from, you know, the victim's perspective and yeah. really understanding what was going on at the time and really painting the people that needed to be painted bad, bad. Yeah. So that was, that was something for me that I went through. No, I, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, be, before I, 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 I left for the trip, I did get, um, I ordered a book called a storm of witchcraft by Emerson W. Baker. And it, the subtitle is the Salem trials and the American experience. And Emerson Baker is an academic. Um, and he's a, he's a professor of history at Salem state university, which is, of course is in Salem. And um, in the forward to the, I'm not going to talk about the book, but I'll tell you about the forward. In the forward to the book, the introduction, he he sort of talks about like, why am I writing this? Like, yeah. there's been so much written about it already, so much done about it already. Like, what's the point of this? And he was like, look, there's just there's always another perspective, and mm-hmm. and there's always more of the socio cultural and socio economic and and all the other sorts of, of of themes around the event that sure. you can explore. And um, I think in particular. The Salem Witch Museum did did probably the best with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, I mean, like, look, if if you've never been to Salem before, it's very expensive. Um, number, yeah. <laughs> listen, uh, start saving for the trip. I I will say it is way more. It is way more expensive than I thought it would be. Um, but but worth it. I think the things that we spent money on were were all pretty darn good, including yeah. the Salem Witch Museum, which was like what, like thirteen bucks, yeah. fifteen I mean, bucks for. There's probably. I would say like 10 to 15 like main attractions yeah. and each one is like between 10 and $15. Yeah, so basically if, it depends on how many you want to go to, but like the, 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 the most expensive one was house of the seven gables. That was like 29 or something. Yeah. And that, that was when we were like, well, maybe not that one. Yeah. And we were also running out of time. So we we're trying to prioritize, right. but, but just to talk about some of the ones that we really loved. I mean, I think just to go back to the Salem witch museum, mm-hmm. that was really cool. You got to sit in this really dark room and as they kind of told the story, a different, um, what would you call Vignette? that? Like a, vignette would like light up and they would tell the story of everything just speaking speaking of that listen somebody in animatronics made a shitload yeah when they went to salem Salem. for this because (laughs) there are animatronics everywhere in the city and some are and some are better than others (laughs) um but yeah this one had a really good animatronic i thought yeah no and then it just it kind of just shared like the top line story of like what went on it didn't go too deep into anybody's story like like they went in a little bit more into like Giles Corey, which we'll talk about in a little bit yeah. and stuff like that. But um, it was definitely an introduction to the Salem witch trials. I, and it was a good introduction because for one that seemed like we, it, we, it was hard to date when this thing had been created. Um, but uh, the, one of the particular things I think, I think it did really well is it, it delved in just enough into mm-hmm. Tituba, right? The, the slave of, of, of Reverend Paris um, and, you know, talked about how her race was a really important part of the trial. And also a- another thing that I had never thought about the way that the devil was, yeah. was referred to in the proceedings as the black man yeah. over and over again. Uh-huh. And I had never thought about that perspective and I'm glad that they brought that out. Yeah. And I think another thing that I really enjoyed about that is after we were done with the main kind of, um, presentation, we went into another presentation that talked about all about, 
um, witches in media yeah. and like how they've been portrayed since like uh, the Wicked Witch of the West beyond. Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting because then they kind of they make you uh, turn this corner and you kind of go to like what witches are perceived as or not. not yeah. I shouldn't say perceived as what witches are today. Yeah. And it was like they were just talking about how they are like one with nature and that Satan doesn't exist in their, uh, in, in, in their religion. Sure. And like, I just thought that that was a great way to end it because like, it just shows like how differently, um, witches were perceived way back in, you know, uh, what, what, what did it, it wasn't called Salem it was called Salem, Salem village, Salem village, yeah. like way back then compared to now and how that's the perception and how people are seeing it has changed. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think that Salem is Salem is such a unique phenomenon in America. And I think what's, what's cool about it too, is, you know, if you think about it in the contemporary context now, right. The witch is really one. Yeah. In the end, didn't they? Yeah. Because, I mean, you go to Salem, and it's this place where, Well, like, they're the ones that are celebrated. They are the yeah. ones that are celebrated. It, it, it's called the Witch City. Yeah. And so, it, at the end of the day, they are the ones, they are the ones that, um, they are the ones that, that won, that won the city, and that are there, and that, and that are being celebrated, and that are, frankly, making money off of the, it. They have the memorial and all right. that stuff. So, you don't see a memorial of, like... I don't know who was the one that of, accused... of, of Judge Hawthorne and yeah. Abigail Williams. Yeah. Like they didn't get it. One more thing I would mention too is that I, I one thing that I learned on this that I didn't quite know before was how Abigail Williams eventually did sort of turn turn around on yeah. things and, yeah. and 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 um, and and Putnam as well. And I didn't know that like she like she like tried to atone and, mm -hmm. and had the letter read in front of the church and everything else. That was fascinating to me. I I never heard that before. Yeah, another one that we went to that was uh, particularly interesting was the Witch Dungeon Museum. Yeah, yes. So this one was different because we didn't really know what to expect going in because it was wild we, going in. We we paid our money and they're like, okay, uh, in like twelve minutes the show's gonna start. And we're like, yeah. oh, we thought it was just like an exhibit, like it's a show. And they're like, yeah, it's a reenactment of one of the trials that happened. Right. Um, this one being of Sarah Good. Uh, and the interesting thing that they did with her story is that they really just talked about how how poor she was and yeah. because of how poor she was how she was treated in kind of like the holding cells and everything and and um what i didn't know uh and, and the good thing about this one is they had like live actors that reenacted yeah. like a scene and actually the actors were really good they were so. they were good it's it's one of those things where you don't quite know how it's gonna yeah. go yes but then they start moving and like they really commit to it. Yeah. And, and it's it's well done. It, it, it truly is. Um, no, what I didn't know is that if a woman was pregnant, she was given kind yeah. of a reprieve until she gave birth. Um, but the reprieve was so they they basically so there's no longer any of these uh, dungeons that have been saved. Like they've right. all either yeah. been filled in or destroyed or whatever. But there was a this was kind of a re I don't know what would you call it like a recreation a, a recreation yeah. of those things. Sure. And they show you how small the cells were. And this, I'm telling you what like small they were saying two to three people would be in like a closet. Yeah. Like and um they would only have like a bucket of two you know defecate in and then Oof. uh they would have and then they either them or their family would have to pay for every meal that they ate and so they just went into more and more and more debt yeah and i didn't know that if a woman was pregnant they waited until she gave birth 
and then hung her. And then they killed her. Yeah. They, 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 they were very pro-life back then, weren't they? Yeah. And um, same way we are today. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but uh, and I should say that, you know, the popular kind of uh, media portrayal of how these women were killed is kind of like burning at the stake. However, that was not a Salem thing. Yeah. Salem was all hangings. Um, you go back to uh, the UK and that's kind of where that sure. kind of burned at the stake. And Germany. Yeah. Germany loved doing that. Um, so the, which I thought the witch museum or the dungeon museum was really cool. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some, uh, interesting puppets down in that dungeon. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so in, in the dungeon, they have a lot of wax figures and, um, I was like, is that Cloris Leachman? I know. Right, right, right. We, we, we had some, some really funny photos, but at the very end of it, you walk into Gallows Hill mm-hmm. and it's, I will say it was pretty funny. Like the, the, the woman who was like the main guide, she, she's been doing this for a while. You can just tell, and she clearly loves it and she has a good time. But at the end, she was like, oh, and watch out on the on the way out. It's a bit of a disturbing image. And we walk out. It's just people fucking hanging there. in a tree. <laughs> and we're like with kids and everyone's like, oh, oh my God. Shit. And like, that's how you leave. It's, yeah. it's, it's really it's it's pretty striking. And then you go up the stairs and out into the sunshine. <laughs> and yep. And and like, like, like most things, too, it, it, when it comes to museums or attractions, you exit through the gift shop. Yeah. There's a gift shop for everything. We got caught in a couple of gift shops. Yeah. Um, some other things that we did while we were there, uh, we went to Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery, which really was, cool. It was one of those things that we walked in and we're like, you know what? We're a horror podcast. We talk about horror movies. We kind of have to do this. Like, and so we were like, okay, because it, it described itself as a, as a horror museum. Yeah, didn't it? And so we were like, well, let's just do it. And so we paid the money and we went in. Thank God we did because. Yeah. That place was incredible. It really had, cool. It not only had like uh, tons of autographs and pictures of people in there. It had like live cast molds of their yes. some of the biggest like Vincent Price's face, uh, all these different people. Um, and then and really high quality ones. Yeah. I mean, they looked pristine. And then literally, I don't know if they were wax figures or if they were just like figurines. I'm not sure, really sure like sure. how they were constructed, but. I don't know who did these, but they were so good. Incredible. Like it was everything from Predator versus Alien to Annabelle to Chucky to Pennywise to, like to, to, to Anthony Hopkins. I mean, like it was wild. Yeah. The the only and it makes sense why, of course, but the only thing that you couldn't do in there was take photos. So yeah. we have none to show you. But trust us, if you ever go to Salem, do go to Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery. Especially if you're well worth especially it. Especially if you're a horror fan. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so that one was really cool. I did have like a moment in that one specifically where I thought maybe they were going to hide a real person and something like, pops yeah, out. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> because you're so used to them all being dummies. Of course. But I was like, I had like a little bit of pit right in my stomach. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and then. Uh, the other thing we did is we went to a couple of our Hocus Pocus locations. Yeah. If you know us, you know we're huge fans of that movie. Not so much a sequel, but a sequel, that's a big no. Um, but so we got to go see where they dance, dance, dance until they died. Which is which is the town hall yeah. right in the middle of Salem. And we got to go see um, the, the very famous Hocus Pocus house. Max Dennis, Max, Max and what's his sister's name? Don't do this to me right now. Oh, my God. Someone's going to yell at us. They're, they're going to stop listening right now. Listen, Max and his sister, Danny, Max Danny, and Danny. Danny, Danny. Yeah. So uh, the Denison's house, we got to go see that. And I got to tell you, it's it, it, so if you ever go to Salem, it's just a little bit out of town. Yeah, like it's just a little bit out. So you, you'll want to drive there because it's a little bit far to walk. Um, but we we parked the car and we were walking up to it. And I got actually pretty emotional <laughs> walking up to it, as people might as, as long time listeners might imagine for me. Um, but I just thought about how, like, 
that movie's been a part of my life for so long. Yeah. And it meant so much to me. And like seeing that house that was like sort of etched into my little childhood brain, it was really special. It really was. Well, the one thing that I was not expecting is that it was like literally on the water. Yeah. Like the the shots that they show you in the movie are kind of like looking inward, like towards the neighborhood, but like it's on the water. It's right <laughs> like, on the water, basically. Like it makes me rethink what Max's dad did for a I living. Oh, like, right. It's, and it's it's also one of those things where it's a lot smaller. Yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. than you would think. Yeah. And the the perspective from the camera made it larger, but it was really cool to see. So yeah, I mean Thanks, Salem, for showing us a good time. Uh, we hit up some pretty cool bars and restaurants. Yeah. Um, the the What was it? The Bit Bar. The Bit Bar. And All Souls uh, Cafe were kind of our two also, favorites. All Souls Lounge. Also, yeah. Um, also Howling Wolf Mexican Restaurant. Fantastic. We were at um, Sea Level Oyster Bar, which was incredible. By the way, we're getting no kickback from any of these people. We just want to yeah. mention <laughs> them for you if you ever plan a trip. Um, Ledger, which is a beard-nominated restaurant in town. Yeah. Just a really great time. And... Um, it was well worth it. And the one uh, the one last thing that we'll talk about, because there's so many things to talk about on this that we learned, is we went on the Requiem uh, Adults Only Guided Tour of Salem. <laughs> uh, it was a walking tour with a with a, uh, a lead guy, and um, he was really good. Yeah. Um, it was funny because, uh, you know, they, they say in the thing, like, um, it's adults only, and it's like the salacious side of Salem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, but it was also like... like it was like it was like a license to swear. So yeah, we, yeah. We, we we think our our tour guide just really loved to say the f word. Yeah. Um. But look, it was fun. And to be fair, like the no children thing was pretty refreshing because there are. But another good thing about Salem is this, and we should mention it, is that it is family friendly. Yeah. And so, like, if you want to bring your kids who are also into horror with you, like, it's a great place to go because. Everything is done pretty. Th- there's nothing in Salem that's like, ooh, scary, like gonna gonna get you. That's not that we saw anyway. That didn't really happen. So I think the kids would be very happy there. That being said, this you know gunkle that does love children, but for maybe a distance, um, it was great to not have them on this tour. Yeah, and so he took us all around Satan. Sa- Satan. Satan. He took us all around Freudian Salem, slip. and uh, we learned a lot. Um, some of the things that stuck out to me is uh, the story of Sophia Peabody and Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, and Nathaniel Hawthorne famously wrote the Scarlet Letter, amongst many other things, but really, really hated his family and just like really tried to make sure that he didn't end up in the in the same graveyard as them. Then he ended up living right next to the graveyard, <laughs> and then finally in it. Um, the one that really stuck out to me was Rebecca Whitford's yeah, story. Sure. So um, uh, on her gravestone, it says the one that was willing to die. Yeah. And uh, basically her story was, is that she was afflicted with some illness, probably smallpox or something. Other and she legs. was eight years old. Yeah. Eight years old. And um, they thought she had died. They put her down in the grave and they threw on one shovel of dirt. And then she opened her eyes and instead of getting her out of the grave, they said, well, just keep going. Just go. And they buried her alive. Like, think about that. And and they said that they did it to, like, stop the spread of disease. But, like, I don't know. That's that's pretty fucking evil. Yeah. Um. The other thing that we learned is that there was this really famous murder between these, like, two powerhouse families. And, the um, Jets and the Sharks. Yeah. Well, Um. and then at the end of it, we learned that this whole – I'm not even going to try to tell you the story because it's so convoluted that I was having a hard time following it. <laughs> like, like this, this was one that the tour guide very clearly knew. But let me tell you, he – he must have spoke for about 20 minutes about this one, and it was it was a lot. 
Yeah, it's the Gardner uh, Pingree House. Uh, so if you go to uh, Salem, that's okay. the one. Um, but basically, this guy was murdered for just for revenge, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's this really long story. But at the end of it, and he's like, and this was the inspiration for the Parker Brothers game Clue. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Giles Corey before. Giles Corey yeah. is one of the famously one of the only people that was killed in a different way in mm-hmm. in Salem. And we learned like it was funny because like at the Salem Witch Museum, which was kind of a glossed over thing, they didn't really say anything about who Giles Corey was. We sure. just we just heard that his wife was uh, accused of being a Martha witch, Corey. and then he was. Um, but what we learned later on is that he testified against his wife. Yeah. <laughs> so he was kind of a dick anyway. Well, and, and, and beyond that too, like, I mean, like if you're, if you're into the Salem witch trials, you're probably, you're probably into the crucible too yeah. from Arthur Miller. And like, I know the crucible pretty well. I've seen it a bunch, either the movie or actually on stage. And like Giles Corey in the play is a bit more of a lovable character. And like, while he does testify against Martha in, in the play, like it's not as it's not as bad as it was in real life. Yeah. And like, you know, our tour guide, you know, reminded us like he had a slave. Yeah. And the reason why like like the slave did whatever is because he beat her like heavily for like three days straight. Yeah. And he had like a bunch of I mean, you can have a bunch of wives if you want, but he had a bunch of wives and he got rid of them for weird reasons. Like Giles Corey was a bit of a fuck face. Yeah. And we don't really get to hear about that stuff ever. So it's, it was interesting to learn it there. Yeah. And his little story, just to give you kind of the, 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 what do you call it? The, notes on it the cliff's notes yeah um is that he was accused of being a witch uh he would not testify so he would not enter a plea well, yeah sorry he would not enter a plea so uh back in the day if you didn't enter a plea they kind of just didn't know what to do with you because they were like <laughs> what do you mean and so uh they said okay well we're gonna torture it out of you then and they basically put a uh, flat piece of wood on him and then put started putting uh, they say one per hour that's probably a little bit sure. exaggerated but um, of stone on him one per hour and um, he famously at 81 I think they said yeah. uh, said that right before the final like rock went on um, they asked him okay Giles are you are you ready to to give your plea and he says more weight (laughs) and he ended up dying you know i heard two different timelines during our trip to salem i heard a day and a half and i heard three days so we'll i don't know know, the truth i I, I think that that's the thing too you no matter what tour you go on or no matter what museum you go into it's going to be a little bit of tall tale no matter what yeah and so it's up to you to to sort of fish out you know what sounds right to you and then later on, if you're still interested, to really dig into the real history that is performed by scholars, that that sort of thing. And then the final thing that I didn't know about was all this stuff about the old Salem prison, yeah. uh, which was kind of crazy. So the old Salem prison famously now is high end condos, um, but it functioned as a prison until 1991. And our tour guide told us right. that in 1991, when it was still functioning, that they still only had like mess buckets like they didn't have which is working insanely <laughs> disgusting um and so there were famously like breakouts of people like throwing poop on the guards and riots and, like, and stuff like like in salem and then um the way that this tied into giles Corey is that they said that giles Corey uh hexed the uh sheriff at the time and said I forget what he said exactly, but he basically just cursed all sher- sheriffs going forward. And it was so much so that I and he he told us that 
on the record, every sheriff since then has either had to step down because of heart-related issues or has died from a heart-related issue. So much so that uh, in, uh, I think it was 1998. Something like that. uh, That they just said, well, we can't have sheriffs anymore. So Salem doesn't have a sheriff. And 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 literally the reason listed in the law is Giles Corey's curse. Giles Corey's curse. Which is insane. It's still going. Um, so the next place we went to was we headed on down to Fall River, where we learned all about Lizzie Borden. Um, if you don't know the story of Lizzie Borden, basically Lizzie Borden um, was put on trial for the murder of her uh, stepmother and her father. Um, and famously got, not I don't want to say got away with it, but um, famously was acquitted. Um, That's, yeah. And um, this was kind of a tour of their home. Uh, it's now a bed and breakfast, and um, it's it's funny because it's like the only house on this hill. It's like surrounded by like medical buildings sure. and like all this stuff. It, it was kind of funny to see, but um, we got to go inside the house uh, and we got like a guided tour. Um, should we start with the creepy thing that happened, or should we talk a little bit about Lizzie first? Um, we let's, we could talk a little bit a, a little bit about Lizzie. I mean, I th- I think that you know. I didn't know. I I knew about Lizzie Borden before, mm-hmm. of course, and like I know the famous nursery rhyme. Yeah. You know, Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother forty wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father forty one. So you know, I knew that, and I knew a little bit about her, but I didn't. I I didn't realize even going there that she had been acquitted. Like, yeah, I, I I completely forgot the story, and so I I was I was sort of fresh eyed for the whole thing. And it was it was interesting to learn about how this whole thing really went down. So I can tell you, um, I actually in ninth grade, uh, we had a writing assignment that was write a story from an inanimate objects uh, like uh, perspective. And so I wrote a story about Lizzie Borden and I was the axe. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, he, he was destined for this, folks, yeah. as, as you can tell. Um, and so I've I've been with this story for a really long time. But yeah. every time you every time you hear it from like a different source, you get like a little bit of a different perspective sure. on it. Um, like I, I know that there's a perspective that maybe um, Lizzie Borden and the maid uh, Maggie Maggie um, maybe were having an affair, mm. um, and that's why she didn't tell on that sweet Lizzie. sweet lesbian love of the 19th century. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like she probably did it. Um, And because of religion and because of the stacked uh, jury of all of the same of of her religion. Sure. um, That they probably either let her get away with it or they literally thought, how could a woman do this? Because of the brutality that came with it. I mean, I think it said that um, the mother was 18 times and the father was something like 21 it was crazy and and like you know you see footage uh well i shouldn't say footage i should say a photograph you you see photographs of their skulls after the murder it's intense and it does look extremely gruesome and even at the house they have like um recreated molds of the skulls um because what i didn't know is (laughs) what i didn't know is that um the the coroner at the time after they were buried, dug up the bodies and took both the heads of uh, the mother and the father, oh and Andrew Borden, 
um, and and boiled them down Ugh. so that he could see the wounds, which that was against them too, because then people thought like, oh, those those Catholic or no, it was the opposite way around those Protestants, the, those awful Protestants. How could they take yeah. the, how could they take the heads of a good Christian family? And well, that part I didn't know about. And, and well, and that's just it is, you know, going to the Catholic Protestant thing. I, I think that that part of the story never gets told. Yeah. The, the fact that in, in Fall River or in Massachusetts or in New England in general, there was a huge divide between, you know, this and that. And it could have been a lot of things, right? I mean, if you've seen um, like Gangs of New York, you know, it's about the Irish versus the versus the, the perceived English or the Americans, the, the Yankees. Kind of the same thing here because all over Massachusetts, Irish people moved here a lot. And so in Fall River, there was sort of this Irish versus English thing going on. And so you had a Protestant family like uh, Lizzie's and you had, you know, the Irish folks who were in charge of pretty much everything in mm -hmm. Fall River, like the police, the fire department, I think the mayor, the coroner, was Irish, yeah. the coroner. So there, there were interesting social things going on here. And the tour guide that we had did a great job of bringing that into context for us. Yeah. So I, I really, I, I really appreciated that. And the other thing too, that, that that's part of a tour that I don't think I've ever heard about this is the amount of charity work that, yeah. that Lizzie Borden did. And she gave away, I mean, millions upon millions yeah, to she put, this charity or that charity. And she put like eight um, Irish uh, Protestant kids through college. Irish Catholic. Uh, Irish, sorry. Yeah, Irish yeah. Catholic, through, 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 uh, college. through college. And she set up all these uh, foundations, foundations and, and all this stuff. And she also had a woman that she lived with for a little yeah, bit. That's so, sweet, sweet lesbian love of the um, 19th century. I mean, I think she did it, but. I think she did it. You know what? She did a lot of good with that money. And Andrew Borden, all he did was uh, hoard all of his money anyway. So, yeah. I mean, look, you know, shit happens. And um, <laughs> Skulls happen. sometimes you just got to keep moving on. Um, so I will tell you uh, a little story that happened to us while we were in the Lizzie Borden house. Uh, at the very beginning of the tour, we were in kind of a formal living room, uh, all sitting on couches and... Um, like about halfway through him giving his like initial kind of story, I noticed like a little clear, almost like looks like a little bouncy ball, like yeah. a little clear bouncy ball. And when I saw it under the chair at first, I was like, I don't remember that seeing. I don't remember seeing that there. And then I was at an angle where I think it either. I was the only one that kind of had a good angle on it because everyone was like yeah, looking sure. at the guy telling the story. And I was like, oh, it's this also functions as a bed and breakfast. It's probably like a kid's toy or like whatever. And so I'm I'm like trying to keep my like attention towards the guy telling the story, but then all of a sudden it lights up. It lights up like red and blue, like kind of like blinking. It, it probably yeah. like when it moves, it probably sure, lights sure. up. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, that's kind of spooky. And um, you guys had rented an EMF detector. Yeah. And so when we moved on to the next room, um, and I had noticed that Maddie was kind of like waving the the EMF around during the thing and wasn't really getting anything. And then when we went up to the little uh, ball toy, um, it spiked. It despite it spiked. I was holding it. I was right there. So you're saying to yourself, "What the fuck would Lizzie Borden or Andrew Borden or you know the mother want to do with this little ball?" And on our way out, we're talking mm -hmm. to the we're talking to the guy, and you know we're like, you know, have you really had any experiences here? And he was like, "No, I'm kind of a skeptic, but like I just really like the story and I really like working here and da 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 da." And he's and then on an on like a very off note, he just goes, you know, if anybody's haunting in this place, it's that cat. And we both were like, what did you just say? I'm sorry, what? And he's like, 
yeah, there, we, there was this cat that lived here for forever. It was the like one of the owner's cats, and he just passed away like two or three years ago. Yeah. And then it kind of like put it together, and I was like, that was a cat it was, toy. It was the fucking cat ghost. Yeah. It was a ghost cat. So that was pretty spooky, honestly. It was cool. And, you know, it, it was, I'm glad that we went there. You know, if, if you're if you're going to be in New England or, you know, if you're in the vicinity or whatever, I think it was well worth the trip. Yeah, for um, sure. And, and well worth, you know, whatever admission fee we paid. I, th- I think it's really well done. It's a story that is worth telling still, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, the last thing that we did is we got to go to the the farm on round on uh, Round Top Road, yeah, uh, which is basically the, better known as uh, the Conjuring House. Yeah, uh, we learned. I mean, we talked about it in our last episode, real estate, and we talked about the you know haunted real or not haunted real estate. We just talked about like movies and stuff and what that costs. Yeah. And when we were talking about it, I was like, this is in Rhode Island. Like, why are we not doing this when we're there? Right. And sure. Then, and then um, at the at kind of the uh, push of the um, people at the Lizzie Borden house, uh, he was like, yeah, you can actually go in it now. And we were like, wait, I thought it was like a private residence that like they didn't let anybody in on it. And they're like, yeah, some lady bought it like a couple of years ago and now she's letting people go in. And yeah. we were like, well, we have to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. so, so we made the pilgrimage out there today, actually, as, as of this recording. And um, the house does not look anything like the movie. Nothing um, at all. It's it's definitely one of those places that's been built on over the years. I think they said it was six. It was like, it was like three different phases. Yeah, but the original house was around 1690. Yeah, uh, and then like there, I think there was like a 1700s. Two two years before the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah, um, and it was basically the guy who owned it to begin with was the guy who founded Rhode Island. Yeah. So <laughs> Roger, Roger Williams. Uh, and then he sold it a bunch of times and then we got to the per- Perron, right? Uh, Perron. Perron family Perrin. who the movie is about essentially. Yeah. Um, but we got to go inside this house. Um, definitely some oppressive energy in there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an old house. I mean, yeah. like, like Andrew just said, it's seven, it's 17th century in, in many portions of the house, which means that it's tight. The doors are smaller. The ceilings are lower. Um, you know, obviously there's not a lot of good ventilation besides just like the windows. So, you know, you, you go in, you don't feel very comfortable because I mean, also on top of it, like there's like in any house like this, including in Salem for stuff, like there are 21st century additions to yeah. make it like habitable or, or to make it, you know, tour, tourable. So like there's bright lights, there's this, there's that. Uh, none of it makes you feel good yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah. And especially you know when we went upstairs in the conjuring house, you know there there's three bedrooms up there, right? Yep. Or four yeah. bedrooms, three. three three bedrooms. Um they're so all they're, connected. And, and they're all connected. And I mean I, I was the tallest one on this tour and I'm I'm six four. I had to stoop down to become probably like six foot, if I'm being honest. So it was definitely not comfortable for me. Yeah. And you could feel it in there. It, it it's I felt uneasy in most of the house, but I felt pretty uneasy up there. Yeah, I think um so there was like a a pass through room. And they had told us that that kind of that room, the room below it, and then the well, which was below that in the basement, were kind of the most, uh, what would you call it? The most like active paranormally. Yeah, 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 that's Um, good. And I definitely felt it in that upper room specifically. The library, not so much. And you know what? The basement's a basement, so it's always going to be a little creepy. But um, in that room, the pass-through room, I definitely felt. And there was even like a little like closet through the pass-through. Yeah. And that I felt really weird in, um, and very weird. I will say we took some pictures, not even really thinking of anything. Yeah. I I didn't even know that you 
could turn off live pictures. So all of my pictures are live pictures. Um, and we definitely got some stuff. So did. if we can get getting at getting uh, live pictures, a little difficult to get on like social media and stuff. So we're going to try, but there were a couple of pictures where there's some yeah. orb type things that are in a pattern that we can't quite explain. Right. Um, and then when you click the live version of it, they kind of dance across the they room. Move. Yeah. And I'm not talking like how dust moves. It's like jittery. Yeah, like, you know what I it mean? It's really, really weird to see. Um, we got like, and we got it twice. Yeah. We got it in that upstairs room and in the library, which are stacked on top of each other. So yeah. it was definitely crazy. And then the weirdest, the weirdest thing that happens is that we went into this day, got to the conjuring house, bright blue pretty good day like i mean the, the the other thing to mention here too is that we we happen to be in new england when the the canadian wildfires are going on and so while it's not as bad where we are it's not like new york and it's orange out but it hasn't been great it's been pretty hazy and kind of gross so it was finally clear today and like we were like oh great yeah good and so um we go through the whole tour everything's looking good bright blue skies and then we're like, we're kind of putzing around because they let you like, like walk around the house afterwards, kind of without the guide. Oh, shout out to our our, our tour guide, yeah, Maddie. Wonderful, yes. Um, pretty cool. Her family actually used to own this house, yeah. uh, so she stayed there before, and her parents lived there for a little bit. So that was kind of a cool to get to hear the stories from somebody that lived there was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but we were kind of like putzing around, and and we went out to the yard, and apparently there's. They've done some like um, it's almost like sonograph of like the the yeah. the, the land because um, they like think deep, deep land radar because they think their people might be buried out there from the from the king from King, king Philip's War yeah which was a war I've never heard of it was in the 18th century in Rhode Island yeah. specifically between like basically colonial settlers and and uh, Native Americans and I I guess it's I don't want to say claim, really, really bloody. I don't want to say claim to fame, but it's the most murders per capita. Yeah. Um, which is insane. Um, but they think that maybe some people, either soldiers or people that were killed sure. are, are, are on the property. Um, I mean, this this property and in its initial kind of like a evaluation was a thousand acres. So yeah. that's, it's, I mean, it's huge. Um, but uh, it was definitely creepy. And then we're doing all this. We're looking at the uh, supposed grave sites and all of a sudden it just starts literally downpouring Downpouring. out of nowhere and so we run to the car we're like driving away then it starts hailing hailing so (laughs) um i felt like it was the lands uh kind of telling us to get Get out of there (laughs) you know it it was weird i um i don't want to go back there yeah to that place like i I, the uh, the upstairs was bad for you the basement was bad for me i felt really really not good down there and i wanted to get out very quickly and now that we've gone i just don't have to be there again it it, it definitely feels something's not right yeah at that house it's not right the energy's off exactly because we had like the a bubbliest nicest uh tour guide big time and i still felt like uneasy the whole yeah. time and even at the end um i had to use a restroom before we left and that was the first time where i was alone yeah i didn't feel alone so uh yeah but, scary very scary but yeah it was a really cool trip um 100 episodes 100 episodes how do you feel how do i feel um i uh 100 times talking about geez. horror in real life and horror in the movies <laughs> you know boy I, I i think it's good to take some time to reflect i i think i feel i feel accomplished yeah you for know, sure we, we really did something very cool I'm, I'm really proud of that um and i feel ready to do more yeah 
This you isn't know? the end, folks. Yeah, no, it's not the end at all. I, I think, you know, one of the things we've always joked about with our show is, you know, of course, we do horror in real life. And look, we're never going to run out of, of terrifying things in this world to yeah. talk about. There yeah. will always be something else that we can delve a little bit further into. And I think, um, you know, even even five years on, 100 episodes later, you know, we've met a lot of people on this trip specifically where like they see the buttons or they see um, our uh, our tote bag or the koozies or whatever. And like, oh, that's so cool. What is that? And then we stop and talk to them about it. And every time you see people listen to you, like explain our little our, our elevator pitches. Yeah, yeah. We're a, we're a podcast about horror, horror in real life, and in the movies from an LGBT perspective. And as soon as we finish saying that, you see a little just ah, aha moment. That's cool. In their head, they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And that's what's so cool about it is that it just still makes sense to people, and yeah. it makes sense to us. And I think you know personally too. Like, look, this podcast helps me deal with the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. does, does it feel that way to you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it uh, what it has forced me to do, and especially in the horror in real life, is to research a lot of things I never would have. That's a great You know point. what I mean? Yeah, I, sure. I, there's so many things that we discovered along the way yeah. that I would have never discovered on my own, given that I had to, like, research it for the show. Right, so. Right. It's definitely expanded my uh, repertoire of knowledge um, and then also like made me uh, either watch movies I never thought I would Big time. Big or time. or go back and watch movies that maybe I kind of dismissed the first time around, yeah. you know, and so and that's part of like our horror in the movie section, which we'll, we'll get to later. But it's just been um, pretty eye opening. Yeah. Um, if you listen to that first year that we did, oh my God, um, where we literally only did one episode a month, yeah, um, you know, we kept saying, we're just gonna get to ten. We're just gonna get to ten. Sure. That was our mantra for throughout that whole year. And then we got to ten and we said, we need to do more. We need yeah. to do more. And then we just kept doing more and more and more uh -huh. and more. And then we settled into a rhythm, and that's the rhythm we've kept for the last. I don't know, 60, 70 episodes. Yeah. Uh, and we hope that you've enjoyed it too. Amen. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's where we'll leave our big 100 trip. But yes. like, I'm so happy that we planned this. I'm so happy that we were able to meet in person yes. in, this, in this Omni Hotel in Providence, Rhode Island <laughs> and, and, and kind of record this in person and be able to do this. Uh, and uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we are back with what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, you 100-year-old bitch. That's right. We do one episode a year on Friday the 13th. So if you've been with us the whole time, guess what? You're 100 years older now, you old bitch. Yeah, now, very if, old. Exactly. Now, folks, if this is your first time with us on Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, first, you should go back and listen to the first 99 full-length episodes. Um, but beyond that, this is the segment where we talk about what we've been watching. Bitch. It could be movies, it could be television, it can be books, it can be podcasts, it can be a little bit of everything. So Andrew's going to give us his first What You've Been Watching right now. My first one is I did the old uh, shutter roulette, if you will. Uh, I got that term from Kim and Cat Stay Live, also on the Dread Podcast Network. That's a good um, idea, the, the, the shutter roulette. It really is. Uh, so I just kind of like randomly picked like a shutter movie 
uh, that was like in there. You know how they, they do like the highlighted ones at the beginning, yeah. you know? And so I just kind of picked one of those because I was like, oh, well, we don't have anything to watch. Like, let's try to sure. a shutter movie. Um, and so I watched this movie called Influencer. Um, and this was actually a pleasant surprise when it comes to uh, shutter movies, because I think we, we've kind of talked about it before. It's kind of like one in five is probably going to be a good movie. And, uh, and when just, it comes to we, like those, we also just want to say we, we do love shutter. It's just oh, the, yeah, shutter, yeah. the shutter originals aren't always that great. Usually. Well, I mean, it's hit or miss because they do give a lot of chances to like first exactly. time or yeah. early, early film goers. So um, this one. OK, so Influencer is all about this woman. Um, she is in her like early 20s and she is traveling um, by herself in like I would say like Thailandy ish area. Um, she was supposed to be there with her boyfriend to do some like uh, influencer stuff. But her boyfriend bailed at the last minute. So she's there by herself. Um, she gets hit on by a creep at the bar in her uh, resort. And this other girl about the same age steps in and kind of like saves her. And then they become quick friends because they're both kind of there by themselves. And then one day she basically says like, hey, I want to take you like out on the town. Like, I know this place better than you do. Like, let's go, you know, go look around. And she agrees. And then I don't really want to go anywhere, anywhere beyond that because there's a pretty cool little angle that this movie takes that was sure. pretty fun. Um, but like, if you're looking for a good Shutter original, I would definitely in like Influencers one of the ones that I would recommend. So it was it was a fun movie and it nice. had an interesting premise. So it was a good it was a good time. Very nice, cool. Uh, my first one is the latest episodes of Black Mirror season God, six how, on Netflix. I, I have not even had a chance to check these out. Have you? How have you even had a chance to check these out? Didn't they just come out? <laughs> well, I've I've, on, I've only watched one of them. That's it. Oh, and, okay, and, okay. And I, and I watched that one last because I'm having a quiet weekend at home, folks. Because, um, as you know from the first segment here, we were on holiday in New England, and then I flew back straight into work um, on Monday and went to a work event, and I'm just tired as fuck. And this weekend, I am playing it cool, so I have a little time to to watch stuff. Um, so I, but I'm trying to go really slow because usually with, with, um, with black mirror or with anything that I'm really excited for, I'll just like gun through it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that this time because I want to have stuff to watch throughout this week. So I've only watched a couple of them, just the first two and cool. I'm going to leave the rest for, um, for, for this, this coming week. But, um, the first one I'll talk to you about, it is called Joan is awful. Um, it's, <laughs> It is just, it's a, as you would imagine, it's absolutely crazy. Um, but listen, listen to some of this cast right now. Annie Murphy, right? Michael Cera, and fucking Salma Hayek is in this episode. It is absolutely crazy. I won't tell you one bit about it. All I will tell you is that if you love Annie Murphy, you're going to fall over your chair in this one because she's amazing in it. Salma Hayek is honestly maybe the best I've ever seen her before. And hmm. Michael Cera has always kind of driven me up the wall. Um, but what happens to him in this episode is actually kind of fun. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful return to Black Mirror. It's it's goofy and kooky and crazy and insane, and also somehow attached to reality in a way that at the end of of at least this first episode, you're like, oh, that's actually not that far off, and that could probably happen like in six months, kind of thing. So um, get ready for it if you're a Black Mirror fan. I'm really pleased so far, and looking forward to the rest. That's good. I kind of fell off of Black Mirror a little bit, so maybe I'll I'll pick back up with well, these new ones. You know, I would say we all sort of lived through Black Mirror during the pandemic, so I could understand why people took a break <laughs> from it, you know? 
All right. My second one is the other two. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but it is now almost done with its third season on. Um, now it's called Max. I don't know if you know this whole drama. Just give it, just give it one name. It's so stupid. So many things. But um, wait, though, wait, 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 wait. Question on that. HBO still owns it, though, right? Yeah, it's uh, basically what happened is HBO Max and Discovery slash TLC all merged into one. And okay. now it's just called Max. Wow. Okay, cool. To the max, <laughs> not baby. To be con- not to be confused with Cinemax, but Jesus whatever. God, <laughs> but, um, so uh, the other two, uh, season three. So the reason I want to highlight the show is because it is bonkers. Uh, I don't know if you remember what I, this movie, the, this show was really about, but it's basically about the two sibling, two, two older siblings of a um a teen well now he's not a teen there's kind of a funny story behind this but uh, uh like a pop star so okay. his, his name is chase dreams is the is the wow. um, pop star's name um but and this is all about his like two older siblings who are not as famous but want to be as famous as him and it's just it's a wacky comedy it's got molly shannon it's got ken marino it's uh there's just so many people in it but um you know, this is just a wacky show. And this season is so funny because Chase Dreams is turning 18. And there's a moment where in the in the first episode of the new season, I'm not really spoiling anything, but um, where everyone is like kind of salivating. They're like, how old are you? How old are you? Oh, wow. And because, oh, they wow. All wanna, because they all want to fuck him. Jesus <laughs> God almighty. But they're like, he's like, I'm 18. And, and they turn into like these little devil people for a second. And then he's like, tomorrow. And they all like revert back to like, they're like normal people. But um, that's just kind of the comedy that this show is. Uh, you're either going to love it or you're going to think it's yeah. really stupid. It's kind of like uh, Broad City and any of those like comedy central type shows that people gravitate towards. Thankfully, Max picked this up and gave it a third season. I don't know if it will go much more beyond this just because of the audience that probably and the writer strike and all this weird sure. stuff that's happening. But while you can ingest it, this is just a really fun show. So that's the other two on Max. Nice. Um, my next one was uh, a very unexpected watch for me. I, I'll, I'll just tell you this. My, my next three, including this one, um, are all things that I watched on the airplane in the last trip that I was on. Um, so here they are. This first one is called Joe Bell. Uh, Joe Bell is from 2020. Um, it uh, was directed by Reynaldo Marcus Green. Um, sort of a, a really bit of, of an all-star, um, an all-star group of people behind the movie, right? So the executive producers were Jake Gyllenhaal, Larry McMurtry, Terry Douglas, Diana Osana. Um, the producers were Mark Wahlberg, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, of all people, for God's sake. Um, so there's a lot of like big, big stuff behind this. Also, the writers were D- uh, Diana Osana and Larry McMurtry. Who, what what did they write? They wrote Brokeback Mountain, right? So, I mean, this is a pretty big movie. Um, it stars Mark Wahlberg, also co-stars Connie Britton, who I'm, I'm just absolutely in love with, um, and a young guy named Reed Miller. Um, amongst a bunch of other people, Gary Sinise is in this movie. Um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Igby Rigney from uh, from the Midnight Club is in it, among other things. Um, so it's it's a it's a good bunch of people involved, good bunch of people <laughs> acting, and this movie really surprised me. So um, I'll give you the, the the just the synopsis from from Letterbox, and it is this: uh, Redemption is a journey you can't take alone. This is the true story of a small town working class father who embarks on a solo walk across the United States 
to crusade against bullying after his son is tormented in high school for being gay. So that is one thing. This is a true story. All this, I mean, you know, for, for, uh, uh, for better or worse, most of this stuff really happened. And, um, it really surprised me, you know, the, 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 the first 30 minutes, 35 minutes or so of the movie, they make, if, if you're queer, they definitely make you want to jump out the airplane. I'm not going to lie mm-hmm, to you because mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, they're not all that great. Um, but it, when the turn happens and I won't tell you what the turn is because that would just ruin the whole thing for you, it totally changes everything and it starts to make sense. And so I think that this is one of those movies that like, you know, look for queer people, we've already seen this kind of shit and maybe it doesn't, it, it doesn't need to hit us. But I think for for straight people, this is a great movie to watch. Like, this is a movie that you should like tell your straight family to watch. You should tell your straight friends to watch because it gives them a really solid idea of uh, of a different kind of experience. And I, I I think it's a really important experience that should be talked about. So I won't give you much more than that. I'll just say that you know, look, in the end, it really surprised me. It really hit me emotionally, and I think that you should give it a shot. It's Joe Bell. So who does who plays the father who does this walk? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, okay. But but I mean, look, I mean, look. Well, I mean, look. That, that's either for you or it's not. But you know, well, no. Just knowing the, his knowing his past, it's a little it's a little uh, weird that he would be the one standing up for anti bullying, considering uh, he almost killed a guy. But that's fine. I know. I mean, look, we we overlook a lot of things when we watch movies, don't we? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're about to, we're about weird. to talk about the Conjuring today, right? Where we had to overlook a whole lot of stuff from yeah. uh, what's their faces? Oh my God, what are they? Yeah, the Warrens, yeah, the Warrens. I mean, we'll talk all. Well, and, you know what? Actually, you know what? This is actually a good thing for us to talk about when we get in. When we get to the Conjuring, is is that thing specifically? Is how much we have to overlook in order to enjoy? Yeah, yeah. Don't totally understand. All right, uh, cool. My next one is a new show on Hulu. It is called Drag Me to Dinner. Um, this stars, uh, well, not stars. It was created by Neil Patrick Harris and his husband David Burtka. And uh, hosted by Murray Hill, who is famously one of the main cast of Somebody Somewhere, which I brought up on the last episode. Um, this is a competition show, which I I didn't know what I was getting to watching it. But basically, it is uh, two teams of two drag queens. And there is a theme for the episode. So the one I watched last night was Divorce Party. Oh, wow. And, Jesus. Um, the two uh, teams of drag queens, uh, they ha- basically have to throw a party for the, the the judges and the judges go to each party and, and judge them on like food and like decor and like activities. Um, and then somebody wins at the end. It's like a it's like a 40 minute show. It's really easy to, uh, to digest. But um, I think that it's important important because of everything that's going down with the the drag community and and the, you know and, and with the trans community to be honest sure that uh there is representation like this on a major tv because it's just showing like we're not going to back down and I, I i appreciate that as far as like um it was kind of stupid but like even the weakest link the other night had like an all drag uh weakest link which sure. i thought was I mean, it's just showing like there are kind of like corporations that are doubling down and being like, no, we stand up for this. So having a show like this on Hulu, I thought was really fun. It's not like on um, Bravo or like, wow, or like, you know what I mean? Like one of those like very gay channels, if I'm being honest. But um, uh, it was just it's just a fun show. Uh, Murray Hill is really fun as the uh, as the 
who who is a trans man uh is is the host and he's really funny and just like the little things that they do to make it funny of course it's gonna be funny it's fucking drag queens yeah making food and making crafts and stuff so what's not to love but uh that's new on hulu i believe it's 10 episodes um famously uh and not to bring the not to bring the party down but um it is the last time that peaches christ and hecklina were taped together oh wow okay before hecklina tragically passed away so shout out to our 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 fallen our fallen sister Heclina and shout out to Peaches Christ who I know is suffering and going through a little bit of a hard time just because that was her bestie. Yeah, so sure, sure. But yeah, that's drag me to dinner. Nice. Uh, my next one is the film Living. Uh, Living is I watched this one on the plane as well. Um, what a this is an exquisite movie. I absolutely adored this movie. Uh, Living was directed by Oliver Hermanis. Um, it stars Bill Nye. Um, he was up for the Oscar for it. And I think that the film was up for the Oscar too. And that um, man just never stops acting, huh? <laughs> y- you know what? And he, he, he was wonderful. He, 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 um, absolutely deserved that nomination. Uh, D- Davy Jones is part of this too. Amy Lou Wood, Alex Sharp, Tom Berg, a, a bunch of people are in this. And, um, this is a remake of a, uh, of an, uh, Akira Kurosawa movie. Um, it was written by one of my favorite authors in the world, Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, he's the guy who wrote Remains of the Day, um, among among other extremely wonderful novels. Um, Never Let Me Go would, would be probably his most his most horrific novel, I would say. Ugh, um, and I mean devastating that like, in terms movie. of oh, right, right, exactly. Um, and his latest was um, oh, what was it called? And I'll come back to it. It doesn't matter. Anyways, he he wrote the script, and thank God. It is fantastic. I'll, I'll give you the little letterbox thing here too. And it's uh, it's never too late to start again. A veteran civil servant in London and bureaucratic cog in the rebuilding of Britain post-World War II expertly pushes paperwork around a government office only to reckon with his existence when he's diagnosed with a fatal illness. And so just to kind of give you, you know, the 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 breakdown of that. Bill Nye plays this um, this just administrator basically in this little office um, for the city of London, and there's just one day that and this is this isn't giving it away. It's, it's you're you're gonna get it. He gets a terrible diagnosis, which you just heard there, and it just hits him like a bell that he has not been living for a very long time, and so it's sort of like a two act movie. The first act is him not living. The second act is him living and it's incredible to watch it's beautiful i i, I just i don't know like if, if you're not a fan of quiet films then you're not gonna like it um but if if you don't mind a little bit of a slow burn that's really really beautiful and pretty this is one for you highly recommend living cool i i, lo- I love that actor I, I wasn't making fun of him earlier i just feel like he's yeah, yeah. always in like, he's in like everything like, oh yeah randomly, absolutely. but he, he truly is this is one that i'm glad he finally gets to really shine as as the star of the film yeah, because I feel like he always does kind of play like either like a dad Agreed. or like a yeah. side figure or like something. But um, all right, cool. I, I definitely that sounds like a good Sunday afternoon. That's a great watch. time for it. Yeah. All right. My last one uh, is actually a series of books. Uh, I reached out to the Twitter community uh, and I said, you know, I read a ton of Christopher Pike when I was younger, uh, but I never really got into the Fear Street. I've, I've read like maybe five of the Fear Street books in, in my life. And so I reached out to the Twitter community and I said, do I have to start from the beginning? Like, where should I come in? Like, what's my in on this series? And kind of like the the 
the whole thing that people told me was like, you don't really have to come in at any certain point, but here are a couple suggestions, basically. And um, a lot of people kept saying the cheerleaders series. And I was like, well, I do love a cheerleader. So I'll read that. I'll read those. And so I bought the first three books. There's a um, it came in this obnoxiously large <laughs> book that they read. They actually just re-released it in 2023, which I didn't even realize um, as like a huge three book, one book, if that makes any sense. Uh, all three books into, into one novel and read that whole thing. Um, first three books in the series. And it was really fun. <laughs> it was nice. really fun. It was really fun revisiting YA fiction from the early 90s and just like getting back into like that. I don't know. You feel like you're a teenager again, like reading these books that are like, yeah. And, and I will say like, I didn't expect the fear street books to be so, um, have such consequences because I feel like in these books, like nobody ever dies or like, no, there's no, like, sure. uh, There's no like real estate. You know what I mean? Like there's no, like, uh, you're not like fighting for the life of the character. There's no consequence. but I can tell you, in the first book, at least three people die. So nice. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. And I'm not, wait, not pleasantly surprised by death, but you know what I mean. Uh, I get it, yeah. uh, but it was fun. I just want to say thanks to all the people that reached out and kind of gave me that suggestion because now I'm hooked and I'm on to book four of nice. five. So that's the cheerleader series from R.L. Stein's Fear Street. Well done. I uh, my final one here is one that I never need to watch again. And if you haven't watched <laughs> it yet, let me just advise you to skip it altogether. This is old from 2021, um, directed by none other than M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Um, look, when M. Night Shyamalan does it right, it's good examples would be um oh my god uh the signs. sixth sense the, the sixth sense signs is another one for sure hell i'm even a fan of the village i give that one a whole lot of credit right when he does it bad my god is it bad examples lady in the water <laughs> um oh what's another one from him that was really bad um uh the the happening oh the happening my god i mean how terrible and a third addition to his awful ones Old. So old, if you haven't seen it yet, is about people that go to this resort. There's there's a few different families and a couple of people. And you you don't know where the resort is, but of course it's somewhere tropical. Um, they all like they they like got kind of a deal to go there or they found it on the internet, which is literally what they said. I just found it on the internet. And then they all arrive there and they all like, you know, on the second day, basically, the the major D is kind of like, oh, I've got this really special tour. Um, it's private. I don't take anyone else on it. Do you want to go on it? And then they get taken to this beach and at the beach, and I'm not giving anything away because it's literally all in the trailer. Um, at the beach, they all start to turn old. How crazy. That's where the name of the movie comes from. Isn't that wild? Um, it's not good. And, you know, what's sad about it is that the idea, like like the the end idea of this, where the movie ends up, is actually not all that bad. It, it's, it's a pretty good idea. The execution of it is so fucking terrible. The execution from the acting, which is piss poor from everybody. The writing, which, my God, how M. Night Shyamalan doesn't look back at the scripts that he writes and think to himself, is that the way that people really talk? Is yeah, just it's the dialogue for me, dog. Oh yeah. my God, it's beyond me. And then, you know, this is one thing that I, I was I was telling Michael and Andrew as we were traveling through New England. 
you know, something that really struck me is, is how little care there is for the casting as well. Right. And what I mean by this is this. So like the main family, it's four people. Um, it's Gael Garcia Bernal. I think her name is Vicky Cripps, but I could be wrong. It's the kid from, um, it's the kid from, from Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. I can't remember his name right now. And then some other girl, right? So there's four people in this family, right? Mom, dad, son, daughter. Each of them has a wildly different accent. I mean, wildly different as in they could not be from the same place at all, which I'm here to tell you, friends, as someone who knows at least a little bit about how dialects work with the brain, that's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Could not ever happen, which is just one more little tiny piece that brings you out of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just one thing that makes you go, I could never believe this. And so then why do you even care about it? And so ugh, I could go on and on, but I won't because it's, this is not the point of the show today anyway. Um, but just a bad movie. And I'm, I'm disappointed because like I said before, when the dude does it right, boy, is it good. But man, when he does it bad, it's just not good. Yeah, I have always said that I think that M. Night is better at adapting other people's work rather yeah. than his own. Agreed. That's just, I think that's what he is better at in my, just my humble opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for what you've been watching, bitch. Maddie brought us Black Mirror now on Netflix. Joe Bell, Living and old find them where you can get them he saw him on a plane <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh you know what? just look book yourself a flight to watch the movies would be kind of fun um and andrew brought us influencer on shutter the other two on max drag me to dinner on hulu and as a series of books which you can get from your library or from your local bookshop rl stein's cheerleader series volumes one through three All right, well, that does it. We'll be right back with our first movie in our Horror in the Movies series, The Conjuring. All right, it's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the door's just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. Nothing. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. November 1st, 1971, I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. That's not going to help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Father, we've never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. 
There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. Do you want to see them? Yeah. When the music stops, you see them in the mirror standing behind you. Get ready because Lorraine and Ed Warren are inviting you over to the parent farm to talk about The Conjuring. Andrew, tell us all about it. Based on the true case files of the Warrens, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. Forced to confront a powerful entity, the Warrens find themselves caught in the most terrifying case of their lives. Directed by James Wan, written by Chad and Carrie Hayes, production company and distribution was handled by New Line Cinema. Lorraine is played by Vera Farmiga. Ed is played by Patrick Wilson. Carolyn is played by Lily Taylor. And Roger is played by Ron Livingston. And then a bunch of kids, one being a young Joey King. Uh, Rated R, this was released on July 19th of 2013. Comes in at 112 minutes. It was filmed in and around Wilmington, North Carolina. And the budget was about $20 million, and this sucker racked in about $320 million, paving the way for two more sequels and a bunch of spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so, Maddie, obviously this is not the first time either of us have seen this movie, but tell me a little bit about your past with The Conjuring and then maybe a little bit about uh, what your initial thoughts were this time around. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I remember seeing this movie in the theater with with you and mm-hmm. with, uh, I can't remember who else was, was in the group with us, but there was probably like five or six of us, right? And and this is a movie that I do remember being in the theater screaming at. Like it was mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. scared the hell out of me. I remember that distinctly. And because it scared the hell out of me, I fell in love with the movie. Like I just I loved The Conjuring. And when The Conjuring 2 came out, I was all about it. Even when The Conjuring 3 came out, I was really excited until I saw it. And then I wasn't very happy. Um, so, you know, long story short, I've I've loved The Conjuring for for a long time. Um you know, when, when I initially saw it, it wasn't just being scared. I also thought it was a really good horror film. Constructed mm-hmm. well, you know, very Wanian, if you want to call it that. Um, and, you know, just fun to watch and fun to get, you know, freaked out by. And, you know, a little bit of darkness and a little bit of religion and a little bit of this and a little bit of that made for a very nice soup. Um, the problem now for me watching this is that... Um, it's sort of impossible to not think about a few things. And one of the things that it's not possible to think about if I'm, if I'm being honest and I, I don't, I don't like saying this, but like, I can't help but think about the third installment, which I, which I honestly, I just, I really hated it. Like I, it was, I just thought it was such a bad fucking movie. So there's that in my head. And the second thing of course, which is even bigger than that is the Warrens themselves, like the Warrens themselves were pretty problematic. They were r- super religious weirdos, if we're, if we're being honest about it. And like, look, I'm religious. So I'm not saying that everyone religious is an asshole. That's not the point. I'm saying that they were connected to some weird Catholic shit that is very odd and strange. And I I don't know if, if that needs to be celebrated, right? Because I think that at the end of the day with these films, and it wasn't something that I was thinking of in 2013 when this came up, 
Sure. I think at the end of the day with, with these films is that you, it's, it's impossible given the Warrens themselves, it's impossible to divest it from religion. And so this is not about ghost hunters and fun ghost investigations and all the rest of the shit that like they want you to believe it is. It's about, it's about religion in the end. And what these films are really saying, if, if you get right down to it is that you're going to get possessed if you're not a good little Christian boy or girl. That's, mm-hmm. that's the truth of the matter. And like, I think that we should think about that as fun as the movie is to watch. And like, look, you know, I, I, I actually bought part one cause I, I don't have the DVD anymore. I was like, Oh, you know what? I'll just buy it. Cause I know that I'll watch it again. And you know what? I will watch part one again. Part one. It's still fun to watch, but I, you gotta think about that other side too. Do you know what I mean? Well, they, they say it right in the movie when they're trying to get the exorcism is that the priest says, well, well, they're, they're not baptized and they're not part of the yeah. church. So should we help them? I don't exactly. know. <laughs> like, yeah. That definitely struck me this time around. Um, so the conjuring, I too remember seeing this in the theaters and I too remember being freaked out. Um, my, my good friends, my good friend, Jamie Jenkins calls this like series of movies call. It calls it the Wanaverse, which I think mm. is like a perfect. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, um, it's just like all these movies, they have like a distinct quality about them that do make you jump. They do make you yeah. a little bit freaked out. It's what's hidden in the darkness. It's, this is and this is why I think this movie is so successful is because it it's like it, it it's when you think about it it's like every think about back to poltergeist or think sure. to, back to I don't know any movie that involves like a, a a severe haunting is like when you think about uh hauntings you're like ooh this is what I want like it's yeah. not like you know, some people say like the first half of paranormal activity is really boring because all it is is like, oh, a little door moves just a little bit or like maybe you hear a little bump in the middle of the night. No, this is what people want. So this is like what makes it so scary, because if this was actually happening to you, I don't know what you would fucking do because yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> this shit is insane. Um, um, But yeah. I think that this is a very fun movie. Do I think it meanders a little bit? Yes, because I feel like there are some side plots that we could probably not have. One Agreed. being one being Annabelle altogether, if I'm being honest, um, because she gets her own movie later on. So I don't understand why we spend like 30 minutes of the movie talking a, about Annabelle. A fair amount of time on it. Yeah. Um, I will say I always forget that this movie starts with Annabelle. Every yeah. time I go to watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that we have to like get through the Annabelle part before we actually like get to like the Lily Taylor, Ron Livingston of it all. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I do think that the story's good. Um, I think that I like it better when we're concentrated on the Perrin family. I get a little bit bored when we're talking about the altruistics of the Warren family. Agreed. Because they're just... They're just like so it's so like in your face, like, look how pure we are. And even, I'm just even, like even right down to his accent. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just it's it gets boring after a while. And um, even when they are going to do the exorcism and I'm shooting way far into the movie, so we'll, yeah. we'll rail it back. We'll bring ra- it back in a second. But even when they're getting ready to finally do the exorcism on um, Carolyn at the end, they even like they like take a moment to be like. We're in this together. We have to do this together. And I'm just like, bitch, she just threw up blood. Can you stop being like romantic right now and like get it together and do the exorcism? I don't know. I got a little bit mad at them this time around because I was just like, let's go, people. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, overall, I think it's a fun movie. It's a good movie to turn on during a thunderstorm when it's all spooky and creepy. Uh, definitely watch this when the when the when the dark when it's dark and when the lights are down because there's a lot of good shadow work that they do um, playing in the darkness that I think James Wan is just really good at. Yeah. Um, um, knowing knowing we can't we can't unknow what we know now if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, because now that we know a little bit more about the Conjuring House, some of this shit, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, well, and, and that's just the thing too, is that, you know, now that we've visited the Conjuring House and look folks, if you are in New England, highly recommend going to the Conjuring House, which is in Harrisville, Rhode Island slash Burrowville, Rhode Island. Um, it's, it's well worth the tour. Um, but like, I mean, going there and knowing what we know about the real story of it. And like how Bathsheba may probably wasn't a bad person and this and that, whatever. Or didn't probably exist. (laughs) Yeah, it probably didn't exist. I mean, like there's more of a story there that actually sounds more compelling, if I'm being honest. Like I I would have never known about the King Philip's War. I, I, I know a good deal about history, especially American history. I've never really heard of that before. That was really interesting to hear about and to hear about how there's people buried on on the grounds of the Conjuring House. And how it's likely that they are the ghosts that are haunting or this, that, or whatever. I mean, there's a lot more to the story that, like, unfortunately, the Warrens, their ego just took everything over. You know, you you, you can understand why in the real story of The Conjuring House, the real Mr. Perrin or Roger Perrin, I think was his real name, why he punched Ed Warren in the face and made him him out of his house and (laughs) kicked him out of the house. And, like, that's something that is not part of this movie at all. And like that's something to to kind of grapple with too, right? Is that the Warrens were they were barely even there. Like they were there for a minute. They got kicked out by the family that owned it. So they never even went back. So like, you know, they certainly had some stories. And like I don't doubt that the Warrens saw some stuff and they were there. I, I'm not calling them total liars. But I do think that it would be interesting if somebody, and I really mean this, some indie filmmaker or somebody make a counter film to this. Film it at the real Conjuring House. Do a different story because there is some, I mean, look, Andrew and Michael and I all experienced a little bit of something at that house. And each of us had a little something different. There's some real shit there. And it has nothing to do with what this movie did. And so I would love to see something different about that specific house that inspired this movie. Yeah, it was it was hard to watch uh, seeing how big this house was and then knowing how oh. small the other house is. <laughs> I mean, this thing this thing is like five times the size of the real house. I was like, no wonder you have all your money sunk into this house. It's enormous. Right. Exactly. <laughs> My God almighty. Um, some other things that I liked about the movie, I think that all of the scares involving the wardrobe are pretty scary. Oh, my God. <laughs> Remember... When I first saw this and she's playing the clap game with the little girl towards the beginning of the movie and you see those two hands come out of that wardrobe uh-huh. and do the clap. Oh, dear Lord. I was freaked out. I, I um, think I think for me that that's probably one of the 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 eeriest scares of the movie because it's just so soft. Mm-hmm. Even with the clapping sound, the speed at which the hands come out, the darkness around it and how she can't see it. It is so well done. So well yeah. done. I will say I do remember that the trailer for this movie did give away one of the biggest scares of the movie, which I think is like which detriment. One? Um, it's when she is trapped in the, uh, what do you call that? The basement. And she's at the top of the stairs and the clap yeah. comes from behind her. Oh, sure. Yeah. That was in the trailer. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah, good point. Good point. 
Um, the one the, I think the most effective scare for me was uh, the the uh, I think it's a sheet like when she's out when Lorraine is out doing laundry and um, everyone has gone away and Lily Taylor is up taking a nap because she's exhausted and um, she's kind of like hanging up laundry and then this is weird because like the the weather changes suddenly and like all these like uh, clouds come in and the wind starts blowing. And I was like, this is what happened to us when we were uh-huh. there. Sure <laughs> fucking did. Um, but the sheets start blowing and then the sheet like blows off of the, the line and it kind of catches on something. And it's like the shape of a person. And then it continues up the wall and up to Lily T- or Carolyn's bedroom. And then there's a, sh- there's a figure at the top of the, in the, in the window that part freaked me out. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, um, there's, there's, there's so many parts of this that, that still freak me out. Um, I mean, when, like when fucking Vera Farmiga falls all the way through the house to the crawl space. And let me tell you, does that bitch fucking fall? Like that, 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 Jesus, a lot that. of people in this movie fall very hard and just get right back up. And, and very long, like for as long as she fell on screen, I was like, are you at the bottom of a well now for God's sake? Um, it was a lot, um, but you I do know, have in my notes too many houses putting human sized spaces in their walls. Yes, yeah, I, I I would go with that too. Um, but the the part where where eventually when she's down in that crawl space basement area and the witch eventually appears as as the hung woman, right, and she mm-hmm. turns around slowly with the feet and comes at her. That's fucking scary too. Yeah, no. Another part that I was like, how did she survive this? Is when it's that same part where she's in the basement, but where. Um, she goes to leave the basement and the door slams in Carolyn's face and she gets flung down the stairs. <laughs> and literally, if you look at the shot, if you're watching like the actual like stunt person, she like hits her head like on the post yeah. going down the stairs. And I was like, how does she just get right back up? I don't <laughs> it's, it's terrifying for God's sake. And even when the oldest daughter, when she gets her hair pulled and then thrown across the room, like... I don't know. This it's just insane that we don't really see any blood in this movie until uh, Officer Brad gets uh, his like face bit by yeah. Carolyn towards the end when she's inf- not infested when she's uh, when she's possessed. Um, I don't know. There, there's just like there's there's little blood in this movie and no one dies. So just an interesting thing to think about. You know, I didn't think about the blood thing at all. That's interesting that you say that, but that 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 makes a lot of sense now that I think back on it. Um, I, I do think it's funny with the the daughter getting whipped around by her hair, which was a lot, um, that the only way to stop it was to cut her hair. <laughs> I know. <laughs> with a very giant pair of shears, I might add. Well done, Vera Farmiga. Yeah. Um, I was very sad that in both of our movies today, we do have a, a doggy death. Bye-bye, um, dog. A uh, good little Sadie girl in this movie. I don't know why they had to kill her. They could have just given her to a nice home in the country. Dog look cool. Dog look cool. Yeah. And she was just trying to warn them. <laughs> she was. The, the dogs usually know about this shit, and that dog knew what was going on. Uh, a couple of quotes that I pulled out here. I thought it was too. I thought it was funny uh, early on in the movie when they first move into the house. Um, uh, Roger's kind of like, "Ooh, I'm I'm really fried after this day," and Carolyn's like. Uh, too fried to christen the new house. And oh I wrote my, my notes. God. I wrote in my notes. Yes, you have too many children. You do not need to have any sex anymore. <laughs> exactly. Right. And nor do they need to hear you having sex, for God's sake. Because <sighs> there's like, what, six girls, I think? Seven? Well, although, listen, thinking about the real Conjuring house now, I mean, I don't know how you could possibly have sex in that house. Like, 
I know. Literally, the the fucking world would hear you in that little tiny thing. It's uh, let alone no share way. one bathroom. <laughs> My God Almighty, that 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 would be awful in there. Uh, another thing that did um, scare me this time around is when I forgot that when she's kind of like looking uh, in the middle of the night, uh, all those frames that get knocked off the wall. Yeah, because we had we had the volume turned up pretty loud at that point because. There is like little soft things in this movie that you're kind of like listening for. And that is so loud that I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I did think that the the one scare that still does uh, freak me out is when they wake up. Joey King wakes up in the middle of the night. I think her actor's name is, or I think her character's name is Cindy. I think it's Cindy. Yeah. Um, Cindy or she's Nancy. Like, Cindy or Nancy. One of oh, it two. might be Nancy. Cindy might be her sister that they share a room but um nancy is in the middle of the night she is kind of like looking into the darkness of the of the corner and you as a viewer are kind of like squinting you're like do i see something what do i see and then um she says it's looking right at us and then like there's another part where she's like it's standing right behind you and that kind of stuff that shit freaks me out and well, she and, sells and she, it. <laughs> I was just gonna say she she really does does commit to that scene because I mean the, I that would not be easy to do that scene to yeah. really have to look at basically nothing and very much act right and I really mean like act your ass off and she does it she literally acts her ass off and it's just it's 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 well done. That that part also did frustrate me too though because Nancy gets up to like look in the corner and that's when he she says like it's right behind you blah 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 and then yeah. the door slams shut and Nancy's the only one that is like freaked out by it yeah. the other sister's yeah. just like what are you doing and I was like girl the door just slammed right behind you like why are you not co- corroborating her story like why exactly. are you not standing up for her very strange <laughs> things are happening right now yeah seriously to literally everybody in the house so i don't know about you but i'm going to the motel six i don't care if they said that it will follow me or not i've got to try right, right. <laughs> so. um one of the things about the film too that I, I did not know is that uh we we know it's rated r of course but the um the filmmakers thought that they might have had a chance to get a pg-13 rating um mpaa said that the cut was just too scary um, and that there were no cuts that or at its possible that would make it a PG-13. So they took the oh. R. All right. Um, I thought it was funny just to talk about the Ed and Lorraine of it all. Um, <laughs> there's this running joke, not joke. There's this running thing that they talk about him and him and uh, Lorraine about how they're like, I could get used to this fresh country air oh and this God. open. And I'm like, dude, you live in Connecticut. Like, exactly. Like, stop. Right. <laughs> like, you're not exactly. like in the city. <laughs> I feel like they're in, like they're like literally in Manhattan. You're in Connecticut. Stop it. Even if you're in Hartford, for God's sake, get out of here. I know it drove me insane this time around. Um, but I think that like I don't know what it was this time around. But those two I, in the past, I really liked um, both Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. This time around, they just kind of annoyed me. I don't know why. Well, I, I wonder if part of it is is the fact that you're just not a big fan of the Warrens anymore. Well, I mean, I've been around like Warren like things for forever. Like yeah. I remember when I used to watch Paranormal State, it was a show on A&E a decade or two ago. Sure, yeah. And Lorraine Warren would come on that show. Like oh, she yeah, literally yeah, was sure. like a, a, one of the psychics that would come on and like do like the whole thing. And so like, I don't know. I think it's just like they and this is what I mean. Like they kind of meander around the story. Like the story is yeah. about the Perrin family, but they make it about the Warrens. And I exactly. think that it's a little bit distracting because we have this whole side quest now with Judy, where Judy has to fight off Bathsheba and the 
and and and, and, and Annabelle, which I was so I was a little bit confused because I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, so is the locket the conduit or is Annabelle the conduit for Bathsheba to get to Judy? Because I was a little bit confused because they they kind of play off both of them. You know but what I mean? The, yeah. And in the end, who gives a fuck about Judy? It, like the, it doesn't movie, even matter. Yeah. The movie was about the fucking parents and we're worrying about like some girl that's fucking, you know, a hundred miles away or some shit. Like I, I, I really agree with you on this. There's, there's too much going on on the side and it just makes it, it I mean, it, the fact that it ends with this, is, it makes it about the Warrens. And I think that that, that's, that, that was the wrong ending to choose. Yeah. Um, I also thought that the birds at the end were a bit much like, did we need Agreed. Like, that other bird part? Too much. Way too much. Um, I did think it was funny that when um, Ed is doing the uh, when he's doing kind of the the, the exorcism, um, he's like, I command you to reveal yourself. And then she kind of just like goes through, like goes through the sheet is just like, OK, here I am. You wanted <laughs> to see me? Now here I am, bitch. I, I do and think then, that the, the exorcism part is kind of funny, too, in like. He it's it's like it's I mean, I think Patrick Wilson was doing the right thing of being Ed Warren speaking. Latin, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was pretty bad. But at the same time, I was like, you sound like you just sound like a fake reading Latin. And that didn't play well to me. But also, I don't know how else you would play it. So that's that just is what it is. Yeah. And then just to like kind of give like a little bit of a wrap up, like I do think that um some of the sound work is really good. And then some yeah. of the sound work is a little sloppy. Like there's a couple of like parts where you're supposed to hear like a whisper, but the whispers sure. are pretty loud. Like there's a part where um, Sheriff Brad is like going, I think he's like going to the bathroom or something. I don't know what he's doing, but he hears like, look what you made me do. Oh, but yeah, then yeah, it's yeah, like, sure. And then they show like the woman that committed suicide. But like, it's just like, you hear it too loud. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. it to be, to, for it to be spooky. Um, but yeah. And then of course, at the end, the, the last line of the movie, there's a case in New England or in Long Island. He'd like to discuss. Oh, oh I wonder what that is. <laughs> oh, Amityville boy. much, but well, um, but yeah, overall, I think that, I think the conjuring still works. I just think that it's, uh, maybe, maybe diminishing returns when it comes to some of the, uh, some of the some of the stuff but yeah i agree with you so here at friday the 13th we judge on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of that gay old rainbow maddie what did you give the conjuring and what is your final takeaway i gave the conjuring a five which i think given all the stuff that i said is, is a generous five to be honest um and i said that the film does still hold up but it's become harder to dissociate the very odd warrens from it uh, I used to really love it, but the third installment of the franchise, and I know that that's not part of what we're talking about, but still, combined with their wacky religious beliefs and practices, it just gives me a bit of cringe now. Yeah, I also gave it a five. As much as we kind of knocked it around, I still think it's a good movie. Yeah. I said that um, no denying that this is a great horror film, but the more you indoctrinate yourself with the truth, the movie has some diminishing returns. Also, please pick a plot. <laughs> My God, please, yes. <laughs> Well, folks, that does it for The Conjuring. Stay tuned. We'll be back with our second film of the episode, The Vavitch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. 
this family. Double, double toil and trouble, cauldron, bubble, whatever. I don't know. Maddie, talk about the witch. Evil takes many forms. In 17th century New England, William and Catherine lead a devout Christian life with their five children, homesteading on the edge of an impassable wilderness, exiled from their settlement when William defies the local church. When their newborn son vanishes and crops mysteriously fail, the family turns on one another. The Vavitch was written and directed by Robert Eggers, produced and distributed by A24. Thomason, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. William, played by Ralph Einson. Catherine, played by Kate Dickey. Caleb, miraculously played by Harvey Scrimshaw. I really mean that. Mercy, played by Ellie Granger. And Jonas, played by Lucas Dawson. Uh, it's rated R, of course. Uh, it's 92 minutes long which I was surprised at. I thought it was a little bit longer, but it's not. Um, I think it, it could be in this case. I'm just, I'll, th- I'll throw it out there, but yeah. we'll talk about it. Um, it's a combined effort with filmmakers from the US, Canada, and the UK. It was released February 19th, 2016, uh, filmed in Kiosk, uh, Ontario, in Canada. The budget was $4 million. It made $40 million. Uh, The Witch has been around for a while. Uh, I think that we're both big fans of it. Andrew, tell me about your experience with The Witch. Yeah, so this is only my second time watching this movie, um, but I, I I really enjoy it. Um, I'll talk about a little bit of my experience with that later in the episode. But um, so I went back to this. I remembered most of it. Um, what I didn't remember is just how brutal and mean this movie is. Uh, and I, I mean that in the best way possible, but I just, it is, it's just, this this family just suffers so much and at, yeah. at no at no fault of their own it seems but um it's it's very weird um but this is kind of the opposite of the conjuring whereas the conjuring it was all about like family will set you free this movie is all about like 
family will be your detriment. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's a little bit of a different feel in this movie. And uh, I have to commend uh, Robert Eggers. I'm not, I'm not like the hugest fan of a lot of his other work, but uh, just because he does commit so hard sometimes that it's, it, it makes it a little bit harder to uh, enjoy some of his other work. But I think yeah. that this is a great sweet spot for him because he does commit to kind of the, the time period, the accents, everything about it is is very committed, and I will give him many many accolades for for that because it does kind of immerse you in this in this life of these people. Um, I have my I have my thoughts later on, but overall, I think the the witch is just a great movie. Um, although I do have some questions later on that I would love to propose to you as someone okay. that has watched this many more times. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of my initial thoughts. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I, I think that there are few films that, that approach, um, perfection. This it's not perfect. I'm not saying that, but it definitely approaches it. I mean, in every way from the acting, which is just, uh, it's, it's a knockout. And I don't just mean from Anya Taylor-Joy, you know, as I was saying earlier from Harvey Scrimshaw, Harvey Scrimshaw was, was a kid when this movie was made and his death scene is astounding. It is Shakespearean. It is beautiful. And how, how a kid, and I, I just, I don't get it. Like how a kid understood to do it that way with, with great direction, Robert Eggers, of course, but how he understood to do it that way is just beyond me. Cause it, it was, it was so well done um, to the accents that you, you mentioned that earlier, the accents in this movie were, were meticulously worked on. And I can't remember who the vocal coach was, but the accents that you're hearing in here would have been pretty fucking accurate to what colonial, uh, accents would have been at that very time. And we, we know this, you know, in, in a lot of ways, because, um, if, if you're not familiar with this, um, the, probably the, the, the closest accent that you will find, um, to how colonial people sounded then, um, it would have been this, this mix of, of English, of course, because they came from England, but that would have eventually evolved into what you find in the upper Appalachians. So like, it's not like that country twang bit, that's not it, but you can still find a little bit of, of colonial dialect in America, deep in Appalachia. It's a really interesting dialect phenomenon, actually, but they, they did that. Robert Eggers took the time, spent the money on it because it brought you into the film a little bit different than what I was talking about with old during what you've been watching bitch, right? Where there was clearly no mind at all for how people sounded. You could fucking sound like Bozo the clown if you wanted, and you can be in that fucking movie in this one. Robert Eggers demanded of his actors that they pay attention to it and that they respect it. And because of that, it brought you deep into the film and you believed them every moment that they were acting. Um, the other main character of the movie that we should mention is the setting itself. Um, you know, they filmed this in Ontario right on, you know, as, as they described it in the um, uh, 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 plot here, the, an, an impassable wilderness. Man, they just found the perfect spot for that movie. They really did. It's, it, 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 it really brought you in. And it made you feel like you were right there with them and the oppressiveness of that wilderness around them, how they were truly alone. They left the town that was far enough away that you couldn't just walk there. You had to have a horse. But later on in the movie, 
when the fucking horse is gone, what the fuck are you going to do? And it's raining and it's this and that. Oh my God. You know, you, you end up feeling like you're alone with them. So it's, it's, it's incredibly well done with all of the, the, um, the trappings and the dressing of the movie. When you yeah. add the acting, when you add on the dialogue and the writing, when you add on, you know, the lighting and this and that, whatever the sound, it just becomes something that is, uh, as black Phillip might say, delicious. Uh, I did think it was funny when they walk up on that land first and <laughs> I don't know if it was this time around I noticed it or if I just didn't notice it the first time but there's like there's like literally like swarms of bugs all around them, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, and, they're, and they like raise their hands up in the air and they're like yeah good enough, good enough for the bugs good enough Woo! for us no I think that um, what struck me I think this, I think I struck this the first time I watched it too, is like, how did they build all that shit with like, I, I was, I was thinking that this time around too. I was like, well, uh, I guess I, I believe all of it, but when, you know, when I thought about it the most there was when they're up in the upper level of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, huh, that had to have been pretty hard to build. They're having a tough time out there. How did they, how did they I actually mean, do that? They, they only show up with like what they can carry on their backs and right, on and right. on that trailer. So like, I don't know where they got all those supplies, but, but you know, it seems look, pretty nice. Sure enough. It's one of those things that you can overlook though, for sure. Yeah. It's just funny because all they talk about is how much they're suffering. I know. And like, yeah. and I'm like, seems pretty nice to me. I don't okay. know. If you're suffering on the first level of your house, might I suggest you go to the top level? Yeah. Um, the heat rises, but just, <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I did notice this time around too. I was like, girl, the reason the corn is dead is because you didn't pick it when it was fresh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point too. That's a good Because point. the corn is yellow, friend. The corn, you need to pick the corn when it's green. <laughs> Don't let it get moldy, bitch. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Well, and th- I think that that just part of the highlight of kind of the, the father character is that he's kind of not good at anything. Like, yeah. He's not really that great at farming. He's not really that great at hunting. He's not like <sighs> you know what he's those, just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You know, it's just like he is only good at thinking that he's good at everything. <laughs> a little that makes bit. Any sense. You know, I I think this time around, I had a bit more sympathy for the father this time around. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I think like um, you know, you you were talking earlier about how the film is so brutal. I completely agree with you, and I think that you know. Like there, there's a lot of folks who love to talk about like there's T-shirts and this and everything else, but you know, live deliciously, and everyone kind of says it, and it's funny, and I, and I get it, you know, it it is, and it's it's a cool idea to live deliciously, but the way that you live deliciously in this movie is by killing people and like yeah, by mashing a baby yeah. into a fine baby oil, <laughs> right? Or like killing your brothers and your sisters, or you know, killing your parents, and like look, the the parents, the the parents are wacky. I get it. But also, like, there's there's literally no other way for the parents to exist at this time as English people who live in the colonies than as people who are religious fanatics, right? So yeah. there's no other possible way that they could believe anything than what they believe from, you know, whatever sort of puritanical church that they that they came from. And so, like, I thought about that with this, and I was like, fuck, man. Those poor parents, like their fucking baby got stolen. They're in the middle of nowhere. The dad isn't great at at anything really, but like, you know, he's a principal dude. He was he was with the the the, the church in town, didn't like the people. He was like, actually, you know, you guys suck. We're gonna go do our own thing. Struck it out on his own. He's like, fuck all of you. I'm gonna do this for my family. I love them a lot. And there's there's lots of really warm moments with him, right? You know, like when when he's walking through the forest with Caleb. 
And Caleb has all these different questions about religion and about, you know, where, where baby Sam went. Cause he's not baptized this, that, and whatever there's there eventually like the father breaks it down. And he's like, listen, you know, I love you. I love Sam. That's just what God does. I can't answer your fucking question, but look, I love you and that's okay. Right. And like, there's little warm moments like that. And so yeah, this, just this time I had a, I guess I had a new respect for that character in a lot of ways. I, I feel for you on that until the silver cup thing happens. And the then sil- the silver cup is, is not a good thing that I, and I then I, that. I kind of just like lose all respect for him because in that moment he could have told his wife. Oh, so just to break it down, basically he sold his wife's uh, parents silver cup for traps for hunting traps and he doesn't tell his wife. And so at the dinner table, the wife says to uh, Thomason, he says, or she says, you know, what did you do with the silver cup? And Thompson's like, I haven't touched it. I don't know. And in that moment, the yeah. father could have been like, here's what happened. I'm going to break it down for you. But no, he lets her take the blame. Yeah. And it creates and in that moment creates a rift with the mother and Thomason that was already there because of the baby. But it makes it like a finite rift between yeah. the mother and daughter that they're That's never going to come back from. And so I think for that reason and that reason only, I'm kind of like, you're kind of a dick, dude. Like you could have just been the man of the house that you pretend to be and just kind of stood up for yourself. But you let your daughter take the fall. Agreed. It it, it could have been handled in such a better way. But, you know, that's also just another human aspect. We don't want to take we don't want to take responsibility for the things that we've done. And um, that's where he ends up. Yeah, um, some things I have in my notes. Uh, the twins are terrifying. <laughs> Twi- the twins are the twins are truly terrifying, and I think that the twins are also, uh, and not, not to steal your comments here, but the the twins are so terrifying because even at the end, you really don't understand them, and no, you don't like, understand what they're what they're. Did they bring this on? Did they yeah. accidentally bring this on? Like it's it's it, it, you you could you could run a theory of this film where the twins were behind everything. Yeah. Yeah. I do. My, my it, however, I will say the, the, the girl twin does have my favorite line of the entire movie is where she's spying on Caleb and Thomason. And she goes, I be the witch of the wood. I mean, they're, they're fucking little, they're fucking little weirdos. And, and you know what, even those two kids who are, I think they were probably very young when this was filmed. Um, they're fucking good, dude. They're fucking good. Yeah, it's just it is it's just they're always in the background, but they're but when you think about when you think back to the movie, they're the ones talking with Black Philip. They're the yeah. ones misbehaving. They're the ones in the background always fucking up to something and you're like making something happen. And they're the ones that as Caleb is dying are faking their own deaths and continue to fake it until the dad literally picks the one up and shakes them alive. (laughs) And and we know that they're faking it because they say so later in the fucking like little weird lean to barn when they're in there with Thomason. I mean, like the more you think about it, the more you're like, man, maybe they really were behind this whole thing Because also at the end. Where the fuck are they? Yeah, I know, because they just vanish. You think maybe completely vanish. The witch took them, or you're you're not really sure to be honest. Um, and then the only other thing I have in my notes is like, okay, so I have two things to a- to ask you, and you may not know the answer to these. Okay, I'm just gonna sure. ask them. So my understanding is that they were banished from the Commonwealth because he was preaching outside of their beliefs. Correct. Uh, basically, yes. Okay. 
And then the other thing, where did Black Philip originally come from? Did they have him when they got there? Did they find him? Like, I kind of need a a Black Philip origin story. (laughs) As I remember, he was with them because don't we don't we see him when they get to the I think so. I'm pretty sure that we he he didn't come out of nowhere. I'm pretty sure that that we see him when they when they get to that plot of land. He's there with them. So I just wonder what that whole like. And once again, uh, we're back to a man in black or Black Philip or uh, all that whole thing that we talked sure. about. So um, just something to kind of throw out there. But it would be interesting to see, like, how does Black Philip play into this? Because obviously he is, you know, kind of what we would surmise as like the devil or yeah. whatever your religious annotations are. Um, but uh, he kind of is the one that is doing it all. He stabs the fodder to fodder. Oh, the father. <laughs> he stabs the father to death uh, and, and kills him. Um, and then he kind of morphs into a man and kind of, you know, makes Thomason sign his book and what all God. that stuff. Pretty dress. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the scariest parts for me is when uh, Black Philip is doing his due and uh, in inside the house, the mm-hmm. mother wakes up. And sees Caleb who in sort of ghostly form and Caleb sort of talking like this. Like back yeah. And then, you know, she takes Sam from Caleb, sits down on the rocking chair and starts to nurse him. And then we, the camera goes away. But when the camera comes back, she's laughing and the bird is fucking pecking open her breast. Yeah, it's a crow. Yeah. That part fucking that 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 part still really freaks me out cuz it's just it's such I, I mean number 1, the way that Eggers like like arranged the the, the mise-en-scene for that on on screen was incredible. It's it's like it's like a fucking weird painting and it's just oh, it's a haunting image that just sticks with me. Well, and if you notice, even in that moment when he's when he, um, Caleb is talking to her, uh, you know, and, and I say Caleb in quotes because it's it's actually not him, but um, he says to the mother, he's like, "Can I show you my book?" Uh huh. And you're like, "Oh, he was trying to get her to sign the book too, like in a tricky way." So it's like the mother was kind of in on it too, in a weird way. Does that um, book? And I will say that uh, you, if you notice, if you look very closely when she wakes up the next or when the father wakes up the next morning, she's kind of just laying there awake. Yeah. She still has blood like on her on her Ugh. on her dress, like in that little Ooh. breast part. Um, oh, no. He, 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 he Caleb says, I have brought a book. Will you yeah. look at it with me? Yes. Like, yes. Like, like a like a child would tell would tell their mother. Yeah. Um, and I, so, um, and then obviously, uh, because fucking Thomason has literally nothing left because her entire family has turned against her by the end of the movie in some way, shape or form, except for maybe Caleb, because Caleb kind of took her under her, his wing. Um, and one thing I will say about Caleb is I do think it's hilarious when he's carrying that giant gun because it's just so, It's, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. You know, one, um, one one thing that I didn't get to to dig into on this watch was how modern witches think about this film, mm, and mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, like I I can't my my guess here, and I, I wish I would have looked into it. I'm only thinking of this now. My guess is that modern witches would kind of be like, eh, I don't know about this, <laughs> because in order to be a witch, as we've already discussed. You have to get a baby and grind it up and wipe it all over yourself. You have to, yeah. you know, put a poison apple into a little boy's mouth and seduce him. You have to do this. You have to do that. So I'm going to guess that modern witches aren't all about this because 
why I, I don't know why they would be. Um, I could be wrong. Who knows? I do know one of our trivia things here is that the Satanic Temple has endorsed the movie. Um, hosted several screenings of it. Um, one of the spokespersons for the Satanic Temple, Jex Blackmore, said that the film is an impressive presentation of satanic insight that will inform contemporary discussion of religious experience. So there's that. Hmm. Yeah, I did have some thoughts this time around just because we had just gone through like all of the witch stuff in Salem is like, and I'm going to try to talk this through the best way I can. I don't know if I'm going to get to my conclusion, but I'm just going to try. And I think that what this movie is trying to do is it's trying to say, basically, oh, you guys want this, uh, like this incredible, crazy way of thinking. Okay, I'm going to give in to your crazy way of thinking. And if this is what you want, your crazy way of thinking, then this is what you're going to get. When it's not, this is, this is not actuality. Like, I don't think Robert Eggers was trying to say like, hey, this is like what happened back then. I think he's trying to say of like, this is what religious fanatics want you to think was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they, and when they were trying to tell people that they're, you know, she's a witch, uh, hanger, a burner, or whatever. This is what they were thinking was going on. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I hear that. I think maybe uh, I, I I get that. I think maybe another way to look at it too, though, would be like, look, it's not like the colonists were any better in a lot of ways, right? I mean, like, and this is something that is not explored in the movie, obviously, but like. Uh, this, this is stuff that we all know about. It's, it should be pretty general knowledge. Like the colonists came here, killed a bunch of Native Americans, you know, burned women at the stake for being witches, you know, did this to kids, did that, to, did that to these people. I mean, like they were also very bad. And so the other part of it might be that Robert Eggers is like, actually, fuck you. Like, here's some cool ass fucking witches flying around and doing it right back to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think that he's kind of taking it to like the most fantastical based sure. on the fantastical thinking of people of that time. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, I'm trying to think if I missed anything. I will agree with you. I think the Caleb death scene is kind of like the, the standout Ugh. scene of the movie just because I don't know how that kid fucking did that. But my God. Um, and it, it is it is interesting to me that the mother, the way that he dies is he basically says like, oh, Jesus, I see you. Take me into your arms. Love yeah. me. And it's kind of almost like a pleasant ending for him like in a, in the in the worst way possible but like yeah it's it's weird to me that the mother then thinks that all of her kids are in hell like i'm like but he just said that he saw jesus so i that's well, a little so, confusing but so th- those words actually they come from they they, they, they come from uh from from a real life dude I'm, I'm gonna look it up right now i'm gonna look up caleb death scene the witch um because they are from um do 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 where is it? Hold on. I can get it for you. One moment. It's important to say, actually, um, the, the, the way that, that it goes down is it came from the actual like trial records of, of, uh, of a bewitching. And where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Ah, I should have gotten this before. I'm so sorry. Here it is. It is from, um, it is from John Winthrop, one of the Puritan founders of new England. And Hmm. it was in his diary. And in, in the diary, he says, Oh my Lord, my love, how wholly delectable thou art. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for his love is sweeter than wine. How lovely is thy countenance? How pleasant are thy embraces? My heart leaps for joy when I hear the voice of thee, my Lord, my love, when thou sayest 
to my soul, thou art her salvation. O my God, my King, what I am but dust, a worm, a rebel, and thine enemy was I, wallowing in the blood and filth of my sins, when thou didst cast the light of countenance upon me, when thou spread over me the lap of thy love, and saidst that I should live. And so that's from the diary of one of the the actual founders of, of New England, John Winthrop. And I thought it was just so cool that it got woven into the script and like how it became this like weird dream moment for Caleb that, like I said earlier, just it comes out almost Shakespearean. It's just absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful when this kid does it. Um, so just what a scene. It just it, it, it still blows me away no matter how many times I have watched this movie. Yeah. Um, one thing that did strike me this time around and we'll wrap it up, but. Um, I think you kind of alluded to it earlier is that I can't believe this movie's 92 minutes. Like, I feel like it's so much. I feel like when I was going into it, I was like, oh, God, another two hour movie. Like, the Conjuring. Not. here we go. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, God, it's only 90 minutes. This is weird. Um, but when you get into the movie, it fucking gets right into it. Like, it Sam disappears, like, in the first 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> so it, it flies uh, one thing, and just keeps going. One thing that I remember when this movie came out, and I, I, and this maybe is far back and maybe doesn't even matter anymore, but I remember before I saw this movie, a lot of people being like, the witch, well, where's the witch in the movie? And I want to be like, she's literally in the movie, so what are you talking about? Now, <laughs> now that you say it, I remember that too, and those kind of people just drive me fucking up the wall. You know, I, I also remember when I saw this, I saw this with my ex-fiance, I distinctly remember seeing this. Um, and it was like it was a theater on the on the south, south side of Chicago. And I remember people talking the whole fucking time watching it, which like I, I, with a movie like The Witch, you, like no one can talk. Just shut the fuck up and watch it. That That's how it has to be. Yeah. All right. Uh, for The Witch, I said this belongs in the so good, but I don't love watching it category. <laughs> Cause there's just, it's so brutal. Yeah. Um, it's well filmed. The, the roles are very committed and it is brutal. Uh, Eggers said, you want witches? I'll give you witches. And I gave it a six. I gave it a six and a half. And I said, it's an utter masterpiece of filmmaking. Easily taken for granted is the exquisite vocal work designed to transport the viewer into another time. It works. And it works because the filmmakers absolutely devoted themselves to it. Well, that does it for our horror in the movies section. I've got a really fun game. Oh, boy. Coming up. So you'll want to stay tuned for the end of the episode, which is coming right now. Hello, 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 and welcome to the inaugural episode of Friday the 13th. I'm here with my co-host, Maddie. Hi, Andrew. How's it going? How's your day? It's going well. You know, it's a beautiful day here in Chicago. And I am super excited to get this podcast up and ready. Yes, we are super excited to bring you a brand new podcast. LGBT people talking about horror in real life, such as politics, pop culture, you know, kind of whatever comes up that week. And then also about horror in movies and cinema. All right. That does it for episode 100 Woo! of the 13th Horror Podcast. Um, I have a fun little game to play. Uh, Maddie, famously, when we think about what we have recorded, oh, we God. can't remember literally anything. <laughs> and it, Truly. Uh, we're going to get done here with this. I'm going to go sit down on the couch and eat dinner and go, what did I say again?
Yeah. So what I did is I painstakingly went back to our first 10 episodes. Oh, which, no. Uh, oh, no. Uh, just, you know, go with that your own risk with oh, those God. first five or so. Um, but I pulled some quotes that either I said or you said. Oh, man. And I want you to tell me who said it. Uh, this, this is going to be really embarrassing, but okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to do them out of context, and then I will give them context if you need it. Okay. If that okay. makes any sense. Got it. Yeah, it does. All right. The first one. Has anyone seen Pearl Harbor? I mean, not to get back to the main subject, no one wants to see it. What? When did we, when would that even have possibly come up? Oh, my God. Wait, say it, say it one more time for me. Has anyone seen Pearl Harbor? I mean, to get back to the main subject, no one wants to see it. Oh my god, I don't even know what this is from. Um uh, I Andrew, you said this when we were talking about Liv Tyler and the Strangers. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, that <laughs> that's really okay. That's really funny. Okay, there we go. Wow. How <laughs> stupid. All right. Um in a sing-songy tune, Back to life, back to reality, you kill the fisherman. That sounds maybe like something that I would do. Me? Is that me? You did when we were talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I want to go back and listen to that now because I do often love to say, back to life. (laughs) Yep, uh uh-huh, I got it. Mm -hmm. All right, the next one. Listen, Norma Ray, you're not getting close to Adam. Oh, I think either of us could have said this. You. You said this when talking about Sally Field's son going after Adam Rippon in the first Olympics. (laughs) Okay, you know what? That's gold, baby. That's fucking gold right there. That's gold. All right, the next one. Maybe the killer is just a secret stylist trying to queer eye her eye her, queer eye her up. Andrew. Yes, that was yes, me. yes. That sounds like in, you right there. In in talking about Helen Shivers' new haircut, and I know what you did last summer. Oh my god, perfect, absolutely, absolutely perfect. All right, the next one. It literally looks like he has a butt on top of his butt. What would that have been from? A butt on top of his butt. Was that when we watched, well, no, the first 10 episodes, so it wouldn't have been that. A butt on top of his butt. Did I say this? I said this. I said this about Adam Rippon's butt. <laughs> there you go. Back to it. Was that our first episode? It was. It was, yep. Number one. All right. Uh, the next one. This is the point where I realized the strangers are just misunderstood DJs. Oh, that's a good line. Andrew? I did say that. Yes. Good. All right. A couple more. And then I have one where we both said something. And I want you to tell me uh, which one was which. Um, One. uh, So there's uh, two more. Okay. If it's one thing we believe in, it is that life shouldn't be a horror movie. Maddie. Yes. It was one of the first things you actually said in the episode of episode one. It turned out out to be the, the running philosophy of our show. All right, and then uh, Enigma pops on, and sorry, it's just funny. Enigma pops on, and it is like there are four monks behind you chanting some shit, and someone's playing a synthesizer. <laughs> oh my god! I'm trying to think of what what movie that would have been too. Um, did you say this? 
you said this while discussing single white female in episode five. Yep, there you go. I I forgot we talked about that all the way back Um, when. And then finally, so here are two quotes. Uh, They are said uh, with each other when we're talking about something. Uh, One of them was said by you and one of them was said by me. Okay, got it. First one. Malachi is by far one of the ugliest villains of all time. You? And then the other one, and then the other one says, he's a real ginger bitch. I think that you said the first one, I said the second one. Opposite. Oh my God. <laughs> Damn. Jeez. I thought that that was really funny. That was uh, fun. Oh my God. That takes, that takes you back too, doesn't it? My what Lord. I, what I forgot about our first 10 episodes and, and I think it was like up until maybe like 15 or 20 yeah. is that we used to painstakingly go through every act of the movie. Like Ooh. we didn't, like we didn't just review the movies. Like we used to actually go step by step. Beat by beat by beat by beat by beat. Thank God happened. we don't do that anymore. Happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. Yeah, that that's a good thing. Uh, it's it's um you know, for for those of you who have been with us, I'm I'm sure that you've noticed um our evolution too. Um, you know what's what's great about doing anything, any sort of you know hobby or skill or or you know whatever it is, is you just get better with time. You know, and we're not I'm not patting ourselves on our back here, but. You know, we did like we we learned an awful lot and we learned what what worked for us, what did what didn't work for us, how to change stuff. We took good feedback from people. You know, we just like we just did it. And uh, I just thinking about our first got our first episode, Jesus, all the way to now. I mean, what a transformation. My Lord, that's a lot. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane. Uh, listening back, uh, we were pretty funny back then. Maybe yeah. a little less sad. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I mean, we, we went through an awful lot, didn't we? I think one of the reasons why we were funny also, too, Andrew, is because if you remember, too, we used to drink during the episode. I know. Well, and um, by the end, of, I don't remember all of them, but by the end of some of them, we were drunk. Like, like, yeah. out, like oh, let's go out, baby. So I know. I'm, I've been sitting here drinking a Gatorade Zero, right? if that gives you any. <laughs> I have had, I've had two cups of tea during this and a couple glasses of water. We eventually moved to, uh, like if, I mean, every now and then we still have a drink with the show, but like, yeah, yeah. for me, it's, for me, it's pretty rare. And if I do, I have like a glass of wine or like a beer. And then afterwards I just get fucking wasted. Um, but my God, during the show, we used to just fucking <laughs> drink a bunch of beer. It was, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. And yeah, listen to episode nine where I think Maddie may have <laughs> fallen asleep on the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely possible. You know, listen, it was, it was a hard knock life, you know? Yeah. But, uh, well, I just wanted to say congratulations for making it to episode 100. Yes. I owe a lot to my co-host. Same baby. Same. And honestly, we could go through all the ephemera and all the stuff that we normally do at the end of the show, but I think we skip it this time around. We owe it to ourselves after 100 episodes to not have to beg people for reviews and all that stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Look, at this point, if you want to leave a review, just fucking do it. You know what I mean? Go (laughs) for it, baby. That's our our new, our new, from episode 100 to 200, we're just going to say, fuck it. Give us a review. God damn it. (laughs) But as always, we will leave you with two little words that I, I think we said since the beginning, but who Pretty knows? Sure. Um, and those are for you to have a great day and for you to get, get slayed. slayed.
Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.